started after a whole heap of technical difficulties but sure mm. we're here the main thing being the technical difficulties in our soul welcome to mindful podcast about the dispute between Israel it's not really something I should joke about <laughs> well someone's got it yeah, uh, I don't know not me though <laughs> Probably not. No, no, no. I'll admit my shortcomings. So now we have Kieran in the room, but he's not going to say anything. So, but I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep looking to him as an audience reaction. He's going to be your proxy. Yeah, <laughs> my proxy. But I imagine viewers will be taking. Or so if he's got a smile on his face, we're going to assume you do too. Yeah, but I'm also going to be worried that maybe he's just kind of going to be like, you know, appeasing me or like you know, giving me what I want whenever it's like people are better listening. I'm going to be like. Oh, I, I hope he does that. Up. <laughs> That's why he's here. He's not here to start fucking rise like. Mm. <laughs> um, so we're, yeah, we're so back and we're live. We're I'm half vaccinated. We're in person. Uh, starting off hot. Yeah. Vaccines. So, <laughs> vaccines straight away. The only thing I can say, doing what's been so great about getting my vaccine on, I have not been without 5G for days. <laughs> No, I was just tired. But the funny thing was, is like he gave me the jab, and I've had an awful lot of injections in my life, and it was the easiest injection I've ever had in my life. He gave it to me, and it was done. I was like, "What oh, fuck is that?" It usually I, I feel like going in. So I don't know if that was him being good or the needle being that small. But <laughs> I was like, oh, "Unreal." Well, you're used to small needles, too. Yeah, exactly. But like, fucking, <laughs> you know, usually I feel these ones pricking me. <laughs> um, it was so funny though because he he they write the time because you have to wait 15 minutes, and like I didn't expect this, but he I was wearing a shirt that has like it's like the Galway long walk on it. And he was like, oh, nice shirt, that's Galway. He's like, cool. Then he just fucking smacked me in the chest with his fucking time because he wrote like 50 minutes later on it. And I just didn't expect it. Just like, <laughs> bang. I was like, all right, okay. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I know it's a good t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, then they're like, you w- you're waiting outside. And they're like, they keep coming around checking and be like, that's your 50 minutes. Like, you can go look at that. And I was like, standing there, chest out, be like, come on, it's almost time. <laughs> Pure pe- peacocking with your timestamp. Yeah. It's funny there too, kind of seeing like older people being in. It's like, and I'm getting my bloods done today too. And it's like, no, 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 we're we're just doing vaccines today. And it's like, but like, come on, you could take them now. And they're like, well, actually, we can because it's a HSE hack, so it doesn't nah. matter anyway. <laughs> the HSE hack. Good crack. Some other bullshit. <laughs> Some bullshit. I think it's a ploy to give us more five G tires. Yeah, you have been talking a lot more about uh, investing in Microsoft recently too. Inve- I mean, that's where my most of my paychecks went. I can't pay rent this month. <laughs> <laughs> it's all gone to Bill Gates. Well, yeah. Well, that man needs it's all money. Paid, it's paid for his divorces. Yeah, exactly, man. I don't know. <laughs> that, that man needs money. Like to be honest, like he he deserves the amount that he has, and he definitely has got it all through legal and viable means. And I just feel like I should give that millionaire billionaire my money because like he deserves it. Do you not? Do you not agree with me? You haven't gotten your vaccine yet, have you? <laughs> you make a good argument. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so Melinda's on the market anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Get her on the rebound, hey? Yeah, yeah. So do you want somebody with probably no 
no benefit to you at all. <laughs> Is that one of the things you got with your vaccine? You got her phone number? No, actually, <laughs> to be completely honest, after the vaccine, I was like, God, I hate her, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like... Bill's great. So, in this, like... Love um, me some Willie Gates. <laughs> so, in this, like, uh, fantasy, does the <laughs> injection just give you, like... Why are you up to like whatever Bill Gates is feeling at the t- like you know you just experience his emotions as well? No, it was it was more like so you don't even have to wait the fifteen minutes. That w- fifteen minutes is definitely like the software update. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, but I feel like because this that's is the five G tires triangulating your position. And yeah, but I feel like I feel like because this is the first time of a vaccine on this size, it's probably like dial up internet. So that's why it's the fifteen minutes. So you're sitting okay, there and yeah. it's just in your body, it's just dull. And you're like, Bill Gates is great. And then by the end of it, you're like, fuck Melinda. <laughs> when you like, uh, <laughs> after you got your vaccine, you looked out the window and all you seen was a Windows XP background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just that pure weird green and blue. Like, God, that's lovely. All landscape just looks like that to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was great too. Because like I was looking at it, my folders popped up of like health, time left alive. <laughs> Get the old hot going now. Nice. <laughs> but um no yeah the vaccine's fine man i was just tired i just went home and slept i planned to like get drunk with my family that night or something like that yeah went to bed <laughs> but nice. it was kind of funny because like my dad got a second vaccine that day my mom got her first i got my first and she's part of america all that day i was like an hour apart all from the same place i was like this is pretty funny for my family like it's like underlying underlying conditions for the win as i say in a work like cancer is the gift that just keeps on giving to me like i got the vaccine early because of it all right stop flaunting it like oh, man. You see, <laughs> what people don't realize is that i don't really have much of an, much of a personality but because i had cancer three years ago that's a pretty interesting topic and nobody can really tell you to shut up so that's why i still talk about it just because it's interesting yeah it's like that is pretty interesting. I bet. I guess you have to keep talking. But, uh, <laughs> I guess that gives you a personality. Like I don't know. Like I guess like you know. It's a good approximation of one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I don't. Yeah, it's not. It's not a proper one. But people can't really <laughs> tell me off for not having one because it's like God. It's a pretty horrible thing to happen, really. So I guess I have to let more with it. <laughs> yeah. We are coming in hot with this anyway. Of <laughs> course, we're coming in hot. Cause we're talking about Bill Gates. <laughs> Sexiest man. <laughs> <laughs> Does not suck about his micro annoy. <laughs> oh continue on from the last episode tangentially. I watched uh the um Caravan of Garbage on the mask. Oh did you? Earlier, yeah. <laughs> did you watch that? No, I didn't watch it, just watched the mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we um that was our our last episode finished, I think, was you recommended that mask. I watched the mask and yeah. then me and Devlin Oh, Smith watches in here then. We had a great time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I still love it. Yeah. The, the, the effects are kind of like, even though they're kind of like, they're, I don't think they're as dated as they should be for that being well, like 90, like 94. What, 94, yeah. Yeah, that's what they were talking about. They, uh, it's the same company that did the effects for um, Jurassic Park and everything. No, that kind of makes so, sense. So, well, like that, those effects were <laughs> groundbreaking at the time. Yeah, and apparently Jim Carrey's face, because he could like gurn it so much as like, oh, he could, yeah, it made it easier it, for them yeah, to Yeah, they had less over, like. to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. I, was, I still really enjoy it. It's pure like nineties kind of movie, but like but in a really good way I feel like. Yeah, it was really fun. Like we just had a really good time. And yeah, when I was watching their video they were kinda picking out they were kinda like talking about, you know, things that weren't great in it, whatever, but I don't know, when I, th- I whenever I watched it I was kinda able to just turn off a little bit and be like take certain things like a, a grain of salt or whatever and just be like a 
whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think a part of it would have to be probably because we watched it when we were younger, possibly with the turtles. That I feel like because you can still appreciate it more that way. Yeah. But like, well, I don't. I still like, think I don't really a lot that held up about it. Like, I don't really have any memories of the movie specifically when I was younger. It's the cartoon that series. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't know if I did see. I, I assume I see, must have seen it at some point, but I have no memory w- watching it this time. Anyway, I was just like, yeah, it was a good crack. Like, yeah. I just, I really want to see. I don't want to see a reboot of it. I want to see like a twenty, thirty years on with like Jim Carrey, him possibly in like a psych ward or something, and then like coming out of <laughs> there. And one of the things is because I'd love to do it because if you had him in psych ward, you could have him being. Ace Ventura for a second and then flipping back into the mask just for a, a cameo of his own character yeah. in a different the, movie. The, the Jim Carrey cinematic universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was something they pointed out too. That that was kind of his like, I think maybe his first big role or... In 94, he did The Mask, the first Ace Ventura movie yeah. and Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. And that was all within one year, yeah. and it was all. It's like that's like that completely made him. They're still talking about today of like what's going on him. Now, granted, I do think I don't think the first Ace Ventura is held up that well. Is that good? But the second one is a fucking masterpiece yeah. to me. Like, yeah, that's the weird. Th- I think like for just like an amazing comedy, the second one is amazing. Yeah, yeah. The first one has a bit more of a proper storyline, but yeah, at the same time, it hasn't really held up as well. So it's like kind of. Yeah. I don't know, it's weird. But yeah, like, definitely, like, we watched, I'm not going to, audience member, McCool over We're there. We're not in front of a live studio <laughs> audience. <laughs> or one board man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta start somewhere, man. But uh, yeah, we watched it recently, and it was just like this relentless fucking onslaught of jokes. Yeah. It was just... <laughs> It's like, amazing, like like some of the more like subtle ones. The one I absolutely love is you know it starts with him and he's like pure moving, like it's on a bumpy road and it zooms out and it's the other guy's just like look, the other guy just staring at him. <laughs> yeah, like, isn't he like is that the is that there's another boy in the cars with him, isn't he? And yeah, there is. Like, yeah, and he's just he's, he's like just sitting there pure still, just being like looking at him, being like yeah, yeah. Like I just love it, and even just when he leaves like the whole like Zen temple and all the monks are like celebrating, he's like I've never seen him act like that before <laughs> just like because like some of the jokes are like visual gags and stuff like that there, yeah. but there's some really good like one-liners in it like that but um i just thought like because w- i remember years ago like not like too long ago about five years ago like i rewatched him for the first time in ages i watched the first one and i was like i don't really i guess like this isn't as good as i remember but i watched the first one i'm gonna watch the second one i was like jesus it was just 10 times better i just couldn't yeah. like you know i was like this is why it's kind of famous but the first one's still talked about more which i don't get Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I, I must rewatch the first one because it has been a while. But I do like I've got a very fond memory of it as well. Yeah, like I love the stuff where like he goes into the <laughs> insane asylum and that, and he's like oh, yeah. in the tutu and he's playing the football and everything. And it's like let's rewind the tape, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he then he hits his head and he goes out, and he he that was actually. That was um he thought it was gonna be soft, but he actually smacked his head like really hard there, but he thought it was cushion, but it wasn't, it was like cement. Oh so yeah, when he just like yeah, sits he's down and goes bang. Yeah, so whenever he actually goes like oh it's actually him being hurt because <laughs> he, he he thought it was padded, but it wasn't. Class. Yeah. I love stuff like that. Um but I mean, Masky, but I remember the animated series too, because I watched it, because I went through a, a phase there a couple of years ago, like rewatching all the old Saturday, ni- Saturday morning cartoons. So it was like The Mask, the Spider Man animated series, the X Men animated series, all great intro music as well. Oh, yeah. And then. Um, X Men intro music. Yeah. That's fucking. 
that's unreal. Just a pure power guitar. Like yeah, <laughs> it's actually it's it's funny if you try to play that riff on guitar, it's really like weird and awkward because it was actually just played on like a a keyboard. Oh really? But like a guitar sound. <laughs> yeah. So it's like really awkward. It's not like a normal shape because it's just yeah. And then um then it was obviously then the tick as well, which is one of my favorite ones. But do you know what I loved? I rewatched the Spider Man series. Remember that? Is the very last episode of that. It's kind of weird, especially for like a kid's cartoon, but it like breaks the fourth wall and Stan Lee comes into it. But then not only does Stan Lee come into it, is there's like a, at the start of the episode, there's like a Spider-Man because he meets a whole different versions of Spider-Man. And then one of them is a Spider-Man. And it's like, who's him? And it's like, we'll find out who he is later. And that Spider-Man is supposed to be the voice actor, Christopher Daniel Barnes, who voiced, who voiced Peter Parker Spider-Man the whole series. And it goes into our real world, and it's like this is a voice actor that um, is like, and it's like he's like, it's like you know they they, they brought Spider Man to this audience and all this here stuff, and it's like this is who he is. It's just like this is a really weird end to this kid show. Like it was like it all went and went to space at one point. They had Venom, they had all these shows, and then it was just kind of it was really like a heart. It was really good, but like really heartwarming ending. It was like I remember this as a kid, and it's like. That's very weird, though, <laughs> yeah. for a kid show. It doesn't end with, like, a big boss battle or anything like there. It's literally, like, Stan Lee going through different versions of Spider-Man. They see it with, like, the Spider-Verse, and then it goes into our universe, and it's Christopher Daniel Barnes, the voice actor as yeah. Spider-Man, just being Spider-Man. Yeah. There was such a good run at, at at one point, though, of, like, all those movies that became cartoons, like The Mask and Ace Ventura, Men in Black, The Batman series came out of the 1989 Batman movie. Ah. Which is it's actually because because that movie was so popular, they were then allowed to make a Batman movie. Oh, sorry, Batman TV show. Yeah. And then of course that became the that most was kind of its own. Yeah, that was became its own thing then. Yeah, yeah, that became became like the most definitive version of Batman. But you, the reason some of those things were so popular is like Batman animated series and X Men animated series. They well for the Batman animated series there was a guy that was a staff writer on it, Paul Dini, and he was a comic book writer as well. And then for the X Men series, what they used to do was it, like they would take the comic storylines and then they would like filter out all of the shit and like all the crap because they're like right we have like 20 well actually an awful lot of these like even though they were like 20 minute cartoons they used to like be like two three or four part of episodes or even the justice League anime series is an eight part episode of like 20 minute slots but they used to like because comics particularly in the 90s had like if an event was like six issues long there could be like 50 issues of tie-ins all this other shit happening at the same time and they're like yeah fuck all that like we cannot put all that in a 20 minute show and it also makes it a less cohesive story so they used to like felt right all the crap and like cut it down into like more condensed and then make it more of a seamless story that's why the x-men and batman anime series ended up being like so good and popular because it was really popular comic book stories yeah that they made kind of more streamlined and put it into an animated format yeah i remember um watching something about that about the x-men one specifically where they were talking about that yeah it's just like a very like succinct version of like the big the big arcs and stuff like yeah yeah and it's all most of them were like arcs from like the 80s and stuff too like which is then an awful lot of it's kind of like it's because they couldn't rely on people like having watched every episode so they had to like make each episode its own story and like yeah yeah, condense everything down there's that it's getting interesting there's actually now there's going to be on hbo max there's going to be a new batman animated series it's going to be I think more mature, but Bruce Tim, who would have been the main guy behind the Batman anime series in the nineties, and all, and it would have been behind enough like the Superman animated series and the Justice League animated series and all of the DC Universe animated movies, which are very good. But then it's also going to be Matt Reeves and J.J. Abrams are involved. J.J. Abrams, think okay, everyone would know who he is. And Matt Reeves, people might hopefully not know. Hopefully he's not. He is. Hopefully he's not right. No, but if, I think if I'm right, <laughs> I think I'm right. If his name is Matt Reeves, but Matt Reeves was the director of Joker. So it's kind of interesting. He's behind it. Matt, 
Is it Matt Reeves? No. no. Um, okay, so we just had a wee, uh, another, yet another technical blip. Well, I was um, going to call it a bloop, but cause it's like a blooper. I'm going to cut that out too. Oh, well, that's fine. <laughs> I might have listened to these. You cut out most of my stuff. It's just usually just me being like, yes, I agree. But of course, Owen. <laughs> in the interim, we worked out who, what's his name? Matt? Matt Reeves is directing the new Batman film with Robert Pattinson and it's Todd Phillips and the Joker. I got confused between two directors. And why were we talking about him? That's a good question. We were chatting about comic books and 90s animated shows mm-hmm. and then there's a new Batman animated series That's coming right. out okay. and the two producers are J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves but then it's also being done as art direction and everything by Bruce Tim, who did the Batman animated series Superman animated series Justice League Justice League Limited and all of that DC animated movies Okay, which is what I'm happy about because I don't give a shit about Matt Reeves, J.D. Abrams being in Bruce Tim is the one in that yeah, I don't in that genre that is going to be that's the most like I would hate the idea of J.D. Abrams and Matt Reeves coming in trying to tell him what to do because to be honest you, sh- you should kind of be the other way around because he knows what he's doing. What J.J. Abrams can direct and he can't do much else. Yeah, <laughs> but what I'm saying is is most people would know Bruce Tim, but he's the person I would rely on to do this right than the other two. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen Matt Reeves' Batman film yet, but. When it comes to DC animation, that's the man you want. Yeah. Um, I th- and f- talking about like those old uh, like 90s cartoons and all, I think we can segue nicely into Invincible. Oh, excellent. Because that's one of the things that I noticed about... Uh, we've got four episodes. We've got a new audience member here too. Yeah, we've got another Kieran as an audience member. So <laughs> it's a Kieran only. Uh, if, you're, if you're called Kieran, you can get in the audience. Mm. Four episodes we've watched. Halfway yeah. through, yeah. But yeah, that's one of the things I was thinking watching it. I was like, this is just like those old cartoons, but updated for people that have now grown up (laughs) that used to watch them. But like, it's also the... And I frankly want more. (laughs) Yeah, but like the animated series is written by Robert Kirkman, who wrote The Walking Dead, who also wrote The Invincible Comics. And I've read the first, like... I've I've read the the first, I think, 120 Invincible Comics. Now, I've never read any... There's also, he did spin-offs of Guardians of the Globe, and which is featured in the show, and mm-hmm. that came out of Invincible. And he also did some of. It's not in the show yet. It's like I think it's like Science Dog, which is the comic book. In the comic book, Invincible is the comic book that the main character Mark Grayson reads. <laughs> okay. It's like, but um, but they're very good. But the show, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. The voice casting. The one thing I like is the way I think I actually heard it because I watched Caravan of Garbage on it. They said at the start of the show, he's essentially Peter Parker at what everyone imagines Peter Parker, which is like the teenager who doesn't really know what he's doing but then in Spider-Man it's like great power comes great responsibility learns what he's doing but Mark Grayson kind of fucks up a lot and people die on his watch <laughs> and he accidentally kills people on his watch and you know there's a lot more it's a lot more of like that kind of of like he is really overpowered yeah. as a human being or as a, for a person and he's in a world of superheroes and a lot of people die in the collateral that's what the show kind of yeah. does a lot more of but yeah, it's very good it definitely like you mentioned um, Watchmen that was definitely one of the things that I was thinking of. Watchmen and The Boys mm. is the two things that reminded me of a lot. But just Watchmen, a lot of that was from like the Guardians of the Globe, like you said. Like that is that same thing as in Watchmen when you're looking at them being like, Oh that's the that's Batman and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you're yeah. working out who they're who they're uh, like allegories of yeah. or whatever. Which is the same in the boys. It's like Homelander's quite obviously Superman, but yeah. it's like maybe Superman was more like uh, industry bred, yeah. <laughs> I suppose. But um, she's only in episode four. She's so haven't finished the season yet. No, no. it's six. Ah, so I won't go too much into it. But it's it's very good though, isn't it? Because it's great voice acting and great like yeah. animation. But I just like um, they're keeping it. 
obviously because it's Robert Kirkman who's writing a lot of it, they're keeping it very true to the com- comics all the way. There's some things to notice are different, but the stuff that you kind of, if you, especially if you've read comics, you don't really want a complete direct repeat mm-hmm. because I've already read it. Not granted, I did love it, but you know, you'd because w- you want something different because like. You know, because it keeps you surprised. Like, the whole thing, the guy that can, like, grow the skin over himself, what do you call him? Titan, I think. The guy that he uh, fights. That, the that fights. was, like, the first guy he fights, yeah. Yeah, there's, like, the, more comes out of out of him, and he was, like, uh, he wasn't made for the show, but there was a lot more in the show than he was in the comics, if you know what I mean. Okay. And it's, like, that kind of makes sense, because you, you don't want to do something just f- straight up of the comic book, because, like, I've read it all before, so you could see how, y- if you could maybe get Somebody could get bored from that, so you yeah. wanted like you want to keep it, keep it fresh. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, I noticed. Um, I don't know if you picked up. Uh, the second episode when the aliens. I don't know. Is that not? Uh, uh, well, is that a spoiler? Spoilers. I don't know. Alan alien. Huh? Alan alien. No, no. When the aliens come through the portals, in the oh, second yeah. episode, and I noticed that we. Uh, I think it was was the Avengers reference. Whenever uh, the robot is like giving out orders and he goes duplicate, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And I was like, it's just like flashback to Avengers movie where it's like Hulk smash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and like, because I, like, I was just like, it was just a weird thing. And I remember turning around to you and I was like, I've heard this before. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the same kind of cadence kinda, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But I like that because um, you should have seen it in like um, like that. That's that's in the comics as well because that is like I think because it shows it now. That, that's the first time that Mark Grayson deals with death in that. Where the guy okay. gets killed, kind of thing, gets thrown into it. But they showed it in the, the comics too. It's really good because he, whenever he Omni Man goes into the portal, it's actually because their time is different. He's actually in there for fucking months to possibly years, and he comes back. But the way I kind of like the way, yeah, the, the I like that in the cartoon. He comes back with a big beard, and yeah, you're just kind of left to like realize that it's like, because I think that's what I said whenever he came back. I just turned and was like, so he's just been fucking shit up for like months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't really know how long. Yeah. I always love that because that's always a good way to tell time is like the beard and everything. But in the comics, we really like the way they do it. It's like one of my favorite ways is like either in a comic to be displayed is either six or nine panel structure because you can usually do, you know, obviously with six, it's two, 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 and th- nine, three, three, three. And you can do kind of the passage of time or, but it's not like passage of time, it's like passage of movement. Mm-hmm. And it, but in the comics, they do that really well. It's like, he just kind of, Omni-Man just kind of walks in the door and he's like, I'm back. And he it shows him kind of like walking in the door and then walking past. And uh, Deborah, the mom, is there and she's just sitting at the table the whole time. You can see her and he walks into door, walks past. And then this the last panel is her like in her head crying. It's just, it was a really good panel because it was really, yeah. really makes it really like, uh, really like kind of powerful. And it's just like this because she's really strong the whole time. And then it's just as soon as he's back, she's like crying because it's finally over sort of. But yeah. it's, she thinks he's dead, even though he's like, even more powerful than Superman. <laughs> it's funny how in the cartoon it was, the, like, the opposite, because he just, like, Mark tells her, and then she's like, so we'll be late for dinner. <laughs> you know, No, but that's what I mean. She's or like that at the start, but oh, whenever, okay, whenever okay, he okay. comes back is whenever the emotion kind of comes in. She's kind of broken down by that point. Yeah, because, but, like, no, it's it's kind of interesting, because you can see that it's, like, that's how she's, she be strong. She is strong throughout it all, but then as that goes through. But it's really, like, the comic's really well written, and I think I was talking to you about it, it's really interesting. It's okay to say this, this is spoilers for the comic, like, 120 issues in. Oh, no, <laughs> actually, sorry. I can't say this yet, because he was having watched the end of the season. Well, we shouldn't talk about it, even if we have, because... <laughs> no, 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 I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we have, we've light spoilers up until episode two so mm. far, so that's... I'll, I'll wait till he's finished it anyway, and then we yeah. can talk about it more in depth. Yeah, we'll give it. So we haven't spoiled anything so far, so... Yeah. Moving swiftly on. Someone's going to be like, it's main ca- the main character is Mark Grayson. Jesus Christ. 
Although J.K. Simmons is Omni-Man, unreal, hey? He's great, yeah. I, all the voice actors are great, yeah. Um, what else have I watched recently? Oh, yeah, no need to tidbit oh, yeah. about that. This is like one of the characters in Alan Alien is voiced by Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen's also involved in eventually getting the live-action film off in production. He's heavily involved in it because he fucking... Him and Evan Goldberg, the guys that did Superbad and all those movies together, they fucking loved it like I'm mixed together. So they are the producers behind The Boys as well and producers around Peacher. By the way, Preacher oh, and okay. The Boys, the comic book series, were both written by Gareth Ennis, who's from uh, Northern Ireland. Cool. Good wee, good wee tidbits, yeah? Who is also, quote-unquote, says, write ultra-violent stuff and is an atheist because of all of the violence he's seen in his youth growing up in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always fun. <laughs> so we actually got uh, some fan art. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll show you it here, and I think it might have to. We might have to do another special episode surrounding this fan art. So is it like hentai or something? Or yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So thinking like, where is it? Some kind of furry stuff. I'm a, I'm a bit of a fox myself. <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you describe it. <laughs> <laughs> Gillespie <laughs> um, and Thomas Burke Spotify presents What are we doing here Coming soonish Well that makes sense for us <laughs> um, <laughs> I just think it's a great way of fan art But I'm assuming this is a Fast and a Furious poster mm-hmm. I don't know which one Because I don't watch the movies But like I think it's the uh, The The Jason Statham Hob- and the Rock solo Hobbs one. and Shaw yeah. Which I only just know the name of Because I, I don't know why I don't know why there's a dog in there either This is my dog Alright <laughs> Didn't know what it was like. Me and you were got went over the rock and Statham, and then over the two females, and then Idris Elba was just in the middle, and she didn't know what to do, (laughs) so she just put a picture of my dog over it. (laughs) So, am I Jason Statham, and you're the rock, or you? Yeah, I'm. I'm the rock. Have you not seen my profile picture? Oh yeah, shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I absolutely love this fan art. I'm not I also see that I'm also some guy in a hood, and you're quite clearly the love interest. <laughs> are we not? I thought we're both women. Are we not? Oh wait, maybe that's woman too. Also, we, I wonder if am I the love interest to myself, and you're the love interest to yourself, well, I or hope we it's love so interest to each other? Well, I hope that you're my love interest. <laughs> So I guess this means we're going to have to do a shot-for-shot remake of this film in, like, a back garden. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... See, the thing is, too, it's it's What Are We Doing Here, which is the name of the Fierce Pit Bosses song, so actually it can be a promotion for both. Oh, yeah. We, well, we have to have that crossover episode, like, all the time. Have you guys seen this? So th- we're going we're gonna to gonna go turn to our live studio audience. <laughs> so thanks, Davin, our, um, our, our fan. Thank you, Davin. Wha- Davin, Davin who? Uh, Trevino, Davin Trevino. Thank you very much. I'll fix it in post. I hope. I hope. Yeah, we'll. I hope I said that right. But we'll give you a shout out now, Davin. Probably our only American. So I'm sorry, Aaron Morrow, who always give a shout out. (laughs) You are now officially number two. Davin Trevino is our number one with making a fan art poster of us, which I think should be the new Spotify cover photo. But anyway. (laughs) Well, I think what we're going to have to do is just do another one of our movie special episodes and watch every Fast and Furious movie, which is something I've been meaning to do anyway. I want to do that too because I loved the first two when I was a kid. And fucking God, who, who, I don't give any man that says Tokyo Drift is a bad movie is a piece of shit. I I love that movie. (laughs) I got that. I was bought that. First of all, best, what, 
an Oscar-worthy line is, what do you think DK stands for? I don't know, Donkey Kong. And then he says, Drift King. And that Drift? Is just, <laughs> 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 and at the start of the movie, what destroys, like, a housing estate. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, like, uh, both Patrick H. Willems and Cosmic Variety are, they both have done videos independently explaining why the series is so good. So, like, I've watched both of them, and I'm like, I need to watch all these, because even though they get, like, ridiculous and change completely from being people racing, in, people racing in straight lines, might I add, the most cinematically boring thing <laughs> possible. <laughs> to, being to being, like, heist movies and, like... And I think one of them's going to... They're going to space suit or something. Yeah, like. well, I hope so. The, the so only thing, I watched a video on it before. They might have been, like, having a guy or something like that there. And they're, like, one of the throwaway lines is, like, I think Therese Gibson's, like, character in it at the start. He's just, like, a street racer. It's, like, the fourth or fifth movie. And it's, like... Uh, He's like now the tech, te- the tech guy, and it's like the throwaway line that explained it all is he was like, "I had a life before street racing, and that's all. That's <laughs> that's all you need." <laughs> yeah. And he's like now building like fucking cars going into space and all these super fucking technological advancements. Like, and uh, I don't know if you know this about the movies, but they're actually all about family. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big <laughs> secretly. Secretly, it's all about family. I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> It <laughs> always makes me laugh too. <laughs> so yeah, unreal. Maybe uh, Davin's a big fan of those movies as well. So maybe we'll get her on as like a like a consultant to <laughs> to, 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 to talk us through yeah. the uh, the, uh, the artistic interpretation of yeah. Uh, see, this is really about family <laughs> <laughs> and how families can be made up of people that are not bound by blood. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I'm glad you're down because I'm definitely down. I'd do that. I definitely, yeah. watch, I definitely fucking, I'd watch Tokyo Drift any day, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was bought that for. I got it as a Christmas present when I was younger on DVD, and I just used to always watch it just because it was one of the. I know, just because like, I had it, but I also would just like put it on and be like, "This is great." Well, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, got a great soundtrack too. Isn't it like the fucking the main guy in it, like the American guy who goes to Japan? Isn't it that like he isn't in any of the other movies, but like the bad guy is, and he's not a good guy or something. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. can't remember his name now, the character. But it's like kind of funny because it's like... And then ah, he, he, he like dies in that movie, but then he's in the other one. So it's like chronologically that one's like in the future. future. Yeah. yeah. And then like... I yeah. can't wait to find this all out. Yeah, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it too. It's going to be great. Yeah. Anyway, the only request that I have whenever we do eventually do these Fast and Furious films is that whenever we finish all nine or whatever there is by then, is that at the very end we watch Tokyo Drift again. Sweet. No, like, I did love that movie when I was younger. Yeah, like, me too. And I still <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's like, what I was saying is like, people be like, it's not a great movie. And I'm like, it is a it good is. movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, though. I countered that with, it is, though. Yeah, exactly. It's like, and they started turning on it, too. That was the, that was what changed the whole series. Yeah. First two movies are about drag races, and then Tokyo Drift was about turning around corners. Yep. So but where would the series be if not for Tokyo Drift? No, but man, I still even love somebody humor. You know, even like fucking, I think it's little. is it Little Bow Wow? Or who is it? I think it's Little Bow Wow is the main guy. You know, he's like, they're doing the car garage thing, mm-hmm. and he's like, and he's like, they show like three really nice cars, and he's like, yeah, well. Yeah, and then it's like the fucking Hulk one. <laughs> it's pure mm-hmm. disgusting. It's like, it's great. But like, I definitely take the Hulk car. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, hope, well, in the near future. Hopefully before any more come out. <laughs> It'd be great if we could do them all for like the premiere. Yeah. And then do one straight after the premiere. Well, I was actually thinking something that we could do for 
for something like that is watch all the Saw movies because there's a new Saw movie. I've never seen a single Saw movie. Ho ho! So that could be very interesting. That could be very interesting, yeah. How many Saw movies are there? Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> what to say. Is that yeah. including Spiral or not including Spiral? Yeah. Okay. We're Fucking we're asking hell. our audience member Kieran here, who would be quite an expert in horror movies. So this I think I've seen four or five, maybe. Nah, maybe I've seen six actually. I've just never seen him. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why, but that I feel like those are movies I'd want to watch with other people. You wouldn't really watch them on your own, that kind of way. Like, cause, well, you know, like, like there's some movies like you would like to watch, you know, and some movies you wouldn't. I wouldn't take like, because I'm pretty sure Saw is like. Probably psychological, but a like body kind of horror and gore. Yeah. I'd like only really like to watch like pure kind of like psychological horror movies on my own. If I was gonna watch a psychological horror movie, I'd say the first one is, were would be like watching your own. Yeah. And the rest, yeah, probably, because mm. they just become, they get a bit more spectacle after that. Yeah, but like it's not that I I see it's not that like I don't like watching horror movies on my own because I do. It just kind of depends what it is. Yeah. But I kind of would prefer like. Because you know, you imagine kind of like body gore and stuff is kind of more of like the kind of scary, but I'd prefer to watch stuff on my own. It's going to more get into your head because I'd want to like, like kind of think uh, about it. Sort like of. the Peter Jackson one we watched. Oh, yeah. Like Brain, that's Brain Dead is fucking excellent. No, what was the one we watched? No, no, sorry. Bad, bad taste. taste, yeah. yeah. He, he did He yeah. did do Brain Dead as he well. Did he did do Brain Dead as well. He did after. I, yeah, because I was pretty drunk that night and I kept calling him Brain Dead and you were like, yeah. bad taste. I was like, yeah, but yeah, right. that was a perfect like <laughs> watching a group movie. Oh yeah, like that would not be the, the same watching it on your own. Peter Jackson eating like the he- the brains of the <laughs> head, like <laughs> yeah, that was excellent. That like, was class. But that, I, I think as you said when we were watching that night, it's like one of the best things about that movie is that it's a pure passion project. Like it is, yeah. it is a good watch. Like it, it is low budget, but it's it's worth a watch. Yeah. But it's definitely just a pure passion project. That's like pure class. But then you're like watching it, and you you watch something like Brain Dead, and you're like, and then he did Lord of the Rings, which won just. Every single Oscar, yeah. <laughs> like the only movie to like when fucking just like they might might as well they might as well never left the fucking stage and just stood up there and took everything that kind of a way. Yeah, that reminds me actually. Patrick H. Williams did an interesting video there on like trilogies and like why movie trilogies generally don't work. And like, he made a point of like sort of neglecting Lord of the Rings until he's like, okay, now I'll talk about Lord of the Rings. But he was saying the reason that, that that works is because Tolkien wrote that as one story. Yeah. And then divided it up. It, yeah. So it's like, that's why it's satisfying because it was intended. But the thing was, usually with trilogies, which I never noticed before, but it's really true. And like a good example is the first three parts of the Caribbean movies. Usually the way movie trilogies work is like, you do the first one, Matrix falls into this too, and... Uh, you do the first one, becomes more successful than you thought maybe, and then the studio goes, let's get another couple of them. And then, so for example, um, what's the, what even is the fucking, the sequel to the Pirates Car- Caribbean? Um, Which one? Is, is that Dead Man's Curse? Dead Man's. And then it's the, then the third one is, what do you call the guy, The World's End? Dead yeah. Man's Chest. Chess. And then World's End. Oh, yeah, chess, not curse. Yeah. So, like, he pointed out, it's like, what what is uh, the second one about? And it's like, looking for David Jones' lo- chess. Yeah, David But Jones. that's what the third one's about, too. Because <laughs> the second one's just a setup for the yeah, third one. Yeah, and, really. and The Matrix does the same thing. It's like the second and third movies are basically one. They just do the same thing. It's like, it's like the first movie is distinct, and then the second and third are basically just, like, a long setup for itself. Mm-hmm. 
There's a, do it just because I have two interesting facts. But something you mentioned about Lord Rings and the Matrix. You know what? Was really interesting about Lord Rings the book and written is J.R. Tolkien invented the whole idea of the party. And that's what it comes from. So the party, if you take the Fellowship of the Rings, you know, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, all the hobbits, Gandalf and all, they all come together and they all have to go for a common goal. And it's like, kind of, like, you know, if you want to take it in, like, fantasy terms, the classic arch- archetypes, you have the wizard, you have, like, the ranger, you have, like, the warriors, and you have the elf, and you have the hobbits and stuff. But then they all come together, but then what it is, and they, you know, they all kind of split off. Mm-hmm. And then they, then you meet the characters, and you get to know the characters because they split off. And obviously, the elves and dwarves don't like each other, and at the end they do. An interesting thing about it was he was the first person to do something like that. Of, it's like a whole group of people, and they get together for a common goal, and they get split up, and then you kind of learn about the characters, about their interactions with other people. But it's all about the party. He made like the idea of like a party, which is very common mm. now in all writing of yeah. the party. Even in the Matrix, it's the party, and then like Neo is the main person, but there's a yeah. party of all them. But then in the Matrix, it's gonna say the first Matrix. You know the character Switch, the one that's only in white in the Matrix. Yes, I can't remember. It's been a while. So <laughs> the Wakashi brothers are now the Wakashi sisters, since they're ah, they're yeah. transgender, and they they take the first Matrix film as being like usually a kind of transgender arc. But Switch mm-hmm. was originally called Switch because she was supposed to be a man in the Matrix. That's right. Yeah, and a woman in uh, sorry, a yeah. man in the real world and a woman in the Matrix, yeah. or vice versa. And I thought, I when I heard that concept, I was like, that's really cool. Actually, yeah. they kind of do it like that, but they weren't allowed to by the studio. Yeah, which is kind of shit because I thought that would have been really cool. Like, it would have been an interesting kind of concept to play with. Yeah. Because cause th- cause the whole point of the Matrix is obviously that's who they think they are or, like, more of their mind rather than their body. It's really funny. Um, Patrick H. Williams, he's done a lot of videos on, like, the Matrix and stuff by the Wyskowski sis- sisters right now, right? I think they're sisters now. Yeah. <laughs> I know one of them. I think they both are. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he does a lot of stuff on them. And it's funny, He he's a big fan of Speed Racer. <laughs> The uh, the the movie the the one that they did yeah oh yeah that's right yeah they did do that yeah, yeah. I've never actually seen it yeah and no, I I really want to watch it because there's even there was a video I was watching of his recently and I was like is he leading up to talking about Speed, speed Racer, Racer again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like he's the gonna com- he wants thread. to talk about Speed Racer again doesn't oh because he did one on um what's that one is it Dick Dick Tracy the old like detective with all like the, the weird faces and everything. No, Dick Tracy had like the wristband thing, did he not? I can't remember the weird faces. Yeah, it's like the uh, with Al Pacino and they all have prosthetics and all. Is that or is that Dick? Is it something else? Have I got uh, the name I don't wrong? think that's Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy's like from like the fifties or sixties. He's like a private eye. Yeah, but is that not the movie? Could be the movie, but if I, I just might not have seen it. Okay, let me just do a quick give it a quick goog. Well, let's give it a wee interim. Do you want to find interesting about the idea of Dick Tracy and stuff? It's just about work, but it. it's like you know when even when you're a kid and you'd be like playing like a spy game or something, you're like talking in wrist, being like over. That's entirely real world um, technology now with smartwatches and stuff. You can actually talk to people on your wrist through your phone and stuff. So we've seen our childhood imagination become to life. Wow! And it is used to take big data from us and sell it to healthcare companies. Yeah, it is. It is Dick Tracy. All like the. Premiums. The mob bosses all have like weird faces and shit. All right, I just I see. I've never seen it, so I didn't yeah. know. I just know of the original. Um, it would have been like radio series and like a TV show and stuff as well. Yeah, like there's Al Pacino in it. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, basically he's talking. He was talking about Dick. Tra- he was talking about the director that did Dick Tracy, and uh, I think that's how he ended up on Speed Racer again because he was saying that they basically achieved what he was trying to do with Dick Tracy. <laughs> But it's really weird movie. <laughs> I can't it's like do this with, Dick, with a private eye, so I'm gonna do this with a speed racer. <laughs> well, no, it's more like just uh, he was talking about l- like uh, the um, 
adapting a comic book and like that's what they that's i can't remember that director's name now but he, basically he tried that's why their faces are all like that and everything because mm. he was trying to capture the, the kind of visual style of style the, and everything the art kind of and they did that with speed racer it's like everything in speed racer is flat like there's no depth of fields because it's like trying to be like a comic book page yeah that's stuff like that i always found it interesting of like um one of the oldest comic book movies is um, a movie that people don't usually realize is based on a comic book or a graphic novel, is Road to Perdition. Oh, yeah. Which is an Oscar-winning movie. That's great, yeah. Which is fantastic. And it's because people don't realize it think it's based on a comic book because it's not about Super thing with that. It's like a... Yeah. It's what... I think it's a Prohibition-era kind of... Yeah. So, technically, period drama. And it's fantastic. And it's Tom yeah. Hanks and all. But you tell people that's from a graphic Hanks novel. Tom Jude Law. In Jude Law. And yeah. then they're like, what? Because, like, that's... But that was one of the first ones that kind of made it, like... Yeah, I think that was. You see, I personally think that was one of the first films because it was Oscar winning and all too. That maybe they were like, "There's a lot of good stuff here that we can take from." Because a comic book and a graphic novel is just a really, really well made storyboard. <laughs> I was just gonna say that I, yeah. it's just a storyboard. Like, <laughs> it's like everything there, the yep. fr- the framing and the, and like. But like an awful lot of comic book writers now are becoming involved in TV and movies, as storyboard writers and artists because of that. But uh, back in the day, that wouldn't have ever been a thing. But it's because like. If you, you know, if you can make it in comics or doing stuff like that, well, it kind of makes sense because that is what you've been practicing doing. Yeah. Mm. Sequential art is the official term or the technical term. Yeah. Yeah. Road is a great I'd movie. I may have said this before, but it's a very weird tidbit. Technically, the very first form of sequential art was Irish or Celtic monks. And what they used to do, because back in the day, the Bible was written in Latin, so it was for the learned class, and common people wouldn't have known Latin. Mm-hmm. They used to s- sequentially draw the stories of Christ in a kind of panel-ish, not like, not obviously refined today, but in a kind of format for them to understand. The way I can imagine is like the, the stations of the cross, because that can be very easily done mm-hmm. in a sequential format, because it's like 12 stations of the cross. Yeah. And that was how they then, they would use those as visual aids when explaining, like, so the stories from the Bible to people. And they... That's technically considered the first kind of version of sequential art. And also, it's just because we're Irish and we're like, we are going to find a way to make ourselves involved or a part of everything important in history. Well, yeah. That <laughs> reminds me of a vi- uh, weed, like, short documentary I watched recently on St. Patrick and how he's basically responsible for like most of the world being able to read and write. I really didn't because know Yeah, because that's just one of the things he did when he came back to Ireland. Like, he basically came to... He was traded as a slave to Ireland, was treated like shit, and then left and went to France, was it, where he studied and became a... I cannot remember. I just remember he came from Wales, but I can't remember where he went. I think he went to, like, France or something anyway, and then studied and became, like, a priest and all this here. Mm. But then he was like, I want to go back, and I want to, like... Even though he was treated so badly, uh, and he basically taught all the Irish people to, like, read, and then we became the biggest sort of exporter of like transcribing books and writing them down and basically saving a lot of like the knowledge from back then and everything. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. I suppose that kind of makes sense because one of our most famous kind of artifacts would be like the Book of Kells and stuff which is just that. It's just yeah, that's just, just r- like it's one just a of recording. It's just like that would be the most famous one like, yeah, you think of. Like. It's just one of many that survived but yeah, it's, it's mad. Mm-hmm. It's really, really interesting was just talk went into like the significance of that decision Globally, it was pretty yeah, amazing. Like, yeah. I suppose it makes sense because it's like it's if you're the first person to do that, and then see, because then because like our history and our, and 
Christianity of it all would be important to us, and then, but surely other yeah. cultures would be like, well, this is important to us. We yeah, want to get this was, down to. It was big for our uh, development, apparently, even on its own, because we were quite backward still. Mm. And he came over and educated us, and then educated other people who passed all that knowledge yeah. on, and it really helped our culture like uh, progress and everything. And then the that was just like on our scale, but then globally, it even had a bigger mm. impact. It's very interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I just this we did but man, there was like, do you want to find interesting is cosmology, which is like the study of how, like, say the universe began. The oldest cosmology department in the or in the world is still within the Catholic Church, because that kind of makes sense. Is because anyone that would want to want make want to find out how the universe first began, kind of makes sense that the Catholic Church would want to find out how the universe began because they kind of would want to prove themselves right, or find <laughs> it out and be like. Oh shit! Keep that secret. Keep that secret. Yeah, we need money. <laughs> like the big oil companies and climate change. Yeah, the climate. What? Uh, bullshit. Now <laughs> I'm joking. As as a scientist, I can say anything, and because I don't have a doctor, I can't you know lose it. So you know they did that in the seventies. It's like the all the big like oil companies and all funded research into like finding out what the crack was with climate change, and then they're like, all right, let's keep this secret. Yeah, well, yeah, because it makes sense. It's really yeah. money. That's why I keep saying, because I want, um, if you're ever listening, Big Tobacco, I'm like, Big Tobacco, you need to l- find a cure for cancer. Because think about it this way. If you could cure lung cancer, you could sell cigarettes to kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could think pit, about that, market. Think you about could that put pocket. the cure in the cigarettes. Yeah, no, but think about that. No, but <laughs> I'm just saying, no, like, I'm just saying, it's, it's, a very, it's a very wild out theory, but if you had the cure for lung cancer and Big Tobacco funded, which is a massive, massive company, it's like, you could sell cigarettes to kids again, and you could, you're could you unleashing a market that is incredible. Like, But you could put the cure in the cigarettes, and then if someone was like, I've got skin cancer, and you'd be like, smoke Go a Marlboro. Which <laughs> my mom said that. She used to say, like, back in the day, like, fucking, like, she would be, like, go to the doctor for stuff. And, like, so my mom only smoked between the ages of 8 and 12. Sorry, no, 8 and 14. So she started smoking cigarettes at 8 because her older sister, she's given to her as a joke. And she took up smoking seriously as 10. And then she quit <laughs> at 14. Joke. Good one, yeah. sisters. <laughs> no, no, her, 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 her old, she used to say to me, her, my, my aunts, like, my aunts used to give her cigarettes and be like, smoke them, smoke them back to back and watch her cough and laugh. Because it's funny to make kids smoke. Because back then, we see back then, smoking was given for people to like de stress and stuff. And I was like, it's yeah. a good thing. And then they were like, and then she was like, yeah, I started smoking properly at 10. And then she started working at like 11. And then she like stopped smoking at 14 for some reason. And she's like, even back then, like it would have been considered good. But she remembers going to the doctor and the doctor would be like, I'll just go pick up a pack of fags. She was, <laughs> she was sick of them by the time she was at 14. Like. Yeah, <laughs> she was like, fucking, I'm, 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 I'm too old for this shit at fucking 14. Like, yeah. Probably just couldn't afford them. <laughs> Um, you mentioned earlier before we started recording about a book. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, Clara and the Sun. Um, fucking. Um, so one thing I suppose to give back on is the uh, the author, and I hope I'm not bad. So his name is Keizo Ishiguro, who is actually a British writer, but he was born in Japan and he's Japanese. But he doesn't even have Japanese citizenship anymore, and he moved to England when he was like six, and he considered himself British. But he, it's his first sci-fi novel. It's okay. a dystopian sci-fi novel, and it was released in 2019. So I think it's his eighth book. But after his seventh book, he got given a no. He only writ- wrote seven books, and he got given a Nobel Prize in literature. Wow. And I was even chatting to my, my dad about it earlier today because he's now reading it. And he's about halfway through, and he's one of those writers of like I was reading them, and it was fantastic. Like I'd, so, I was I I'd heard about it just because I'd heard that it's a very good book, and it only came out last year, and um, 
it's supposed to be a fantastic novel to read, so I did. And then I started, whenever I f- find a novel enjoyable, obviously I start reading about the writer, and I was mm-hmm. like, Jesus, he won a Nobel Prize. But my dad said something, and I just coined it perfect. It was like, he was like, you know, I've read, you know, you read a lot of writers, and they could have like 20 books, but they haven't won a Nobel Prize, and this guy won after seven. And it's like, because you read what he's writing, and it is just next level. It's just that good. But the what I love nice. about it is, it's a dystopian science fiction novel, but it's not dystopian in any way sense. There's no like, poverty overbearing government or like all this here stuff it's about somebody called an af which is an artificial friend and it's basically more social dystopian wow it's which is really interesting so like to be honest like the people the artificial friend which sounds like a high-end essentially it's a high-end product which is an ai which is to be a friend for like it's uh, for like a 14 year old girl but what's interesting is because it's all from the af's perspective and she is so naive to the world because she's not a part of the world. She's created and she's programmed and she goes out. And it's not about her being a robot. And it's not like she's like super powerful. It's not like about her getting like rights as being like this. It's about more social dystopian that like, you know, she has to buy like a friend for a 14 year old kid. And like the kid goes to a thing called social interaction meetings. And social interaction meetings are with kids of her own age and they're graded on how to interact with kids of their own age. And this depends on them going to certain schools. Then you can be right, lifted, okay. which is about getting your genetics altered to be smarter. And it's more like there's nothing about like the world's going to end. There's nothing about an overpowering government. It's just more like socially dystopian that we would get to that point yeah. where that's what you have to go through. And it, it just was very interesting. But also it's called Clara and the Sun because obviously the uh, the AF is solar powered. And fuck me, he knows how to describe sunsets, and he knows how to describe sun coming in through blind, and because because it's a very big part of it, because the sun is like essentially a god to this AF or like this mystical being, mm. because that is where she gets her power from. But she also doesn't understand how, like, she the way she sees, she almost doesn't understand how the way she sees the sun is not the way normal people would see the sun, yeah. because she genuinely gets her power regeneration from. But it's just very well written, and but it's, it's just it's so ca- well. It kind of sounds like she would see the sun more like, um, like, like uh, early people would have seen the sun as this yeah. like life giver, like, like yeah, yeah, this like life giving force that they don't quite understand, or whatever. Yeah, and like it's never heavily get went into, but it's like it went into that she quite obviously is probably good at like kind of like math and stuff like this, like whatever. But it's never really went into. It's more, but what's interesting is just her like na- naivety. And then, like, her watching, like, so, like, the parents are divorcing it, and then the first time she meets the father, and she's supposed to be a very observant AF, and just her, like, seeing stuff from the outside, not really understanding it, but you can possibly understand it as, like, a person, and just, like, the way she looks at stuff, but the way she can look at stuff wrong, but it's so, like, naive, she's so hopeful, but, like, mm. it's, but that doesn't mean it's, like, so socially, but th- what I find kind of refreshing about it is because it was so socially dystopian instead of, the government's going to control us. The we're going to be poverty stricken. It's going to be. There's no like world war that they're like during in the middle of or after. It's just like it's kind of. It seems like maybe thirty years in the future. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem it like. It sounds scary. <laughs> just for you describing it, I'm kind of like. It's kind of scary. Kind of. See, the thing is, it's it's written in such a way that it's really kind of optimistic, but then behind the surface is kind of. Scary because at the start, like yeah. it's n- it's not scary. It's kind of optimistic at all, and it starts off like a, the good. So it's only written in kind of passages, and it's in six parts. There's mm-hmm. no like chapters. It's just like you know, um, passage and like you know, like the dot. The I can't remember the name of it. It's like separate paragraphs. It's just done that there for quite a while, and then it's part two and part three. But like the first part one or part two is just like the fir- most of the first part is literally her standing at the front of a shop, looking out in the street, 
and it's still so interesting. They're describing like taxis, people walking by. There's a, a homeless man with a dog, and she thinks he's dead at one point, and he comes alive. And she she see she attributes that to the sun, and then it guess what kind of seems to start it all off. But it's fucking fantastic, man. Like it's one yeah. of the best books I read in a while, and I read it. I think I read it. And I read it over the course of a month, but I think I read it in only four sittings. So it's just because there was like, I think one weekend I came home and I ex- and there was like two weeks. I was just really busy at work, so I just wasn't really in. Like I was too tired to read, but it's it's like I devoured it whenever I read it. Yeah. So like I read like six parts. It was three hundred and seven pages. I read it in like four sittings, and it was just fucking brilliant. Because like it's, I'd heard about it and heard it was really good. It's one of those things where there's a lot of hype about it, and then it really surpassed the hype. It's only from a year ago, but that's what I mean. His writing is just next level. Yeah, he was really. Th- it was interesting to um, you know, about the writer because he's he's Japanese, obviously. He says that he wishes he wrote he put out a lot of his books under a different name because he keeps getting compared to Japanese writers. Which, mm. from reading a good bit of Murakami and stuff, is a lot of his writing is kind of poetic in a way too. Yeah. But he's <laughs> being compared to them because he was like, if I put it under a British name, they probably wouldn't have. Nobody would have batted an eye. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that kind of way. But he said, I'm always going to be compared to other Japanese writers Although because like I'm Japanese. I'm sure he's not too bothered about getting compared to like say Murakami. Like, <laughs> no, see, yeah, yeah, d- d- there's that too. Yeah, yeah. but his writing is different as well. Oh, I yeah. just love Murakami, but I just I'd recommend it. But that's his only sci-fi novel, so he mainly writes about post or pre-war periods, mainly okay. I suppose in Japan. But there's actually I'm. I must read some of his other books now. Yeah. But obviously, if you've ever listened to this podcast, you know that I'm mainly about sci-fi, so that's why I picked it up. Yeah. Um, and it was actually, one of the reasons I picked it up was I was going through shopping. This is like two months ago or what? Not even. But for some reason, a bookshop was open. And I was like, there was only okay. shops open. And I was like, I'm pretty sure bookshops aren't supposed to be open. But I was like, I'm going to tour in anyway. And it's a really gonna small one. Yeah, I'm going to make the most of it. It's a really small one. And it's not secondhand or anything. So there was like a lot of just like, you know, biographies about like Irish sports stars and stuff, which you wouldn't be interested in walking around in school books and stuff. And I was like, Clara and I was like, I've heard of that. Fuck it. I'll read it. Fucking loved it. Which nice. <laughs> is, I was like pure like chuffed with my find. You know, it really worked out well for me. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I recently finished that one that you gave me for, it was a Christmas present that I got on my birthday. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> so, I, so I gave you your Christmas present on your birthday and then I gave you a birthday present, which is a whiskey, and then I gave you two books that I just thought you, I was going yeah. to give you anyway. So that was I'm talking sh- about Shadow, Shadow Play. Play yeah, yeah. yeah. By um, Joseph O'Connor. Yeah. It's that letting you get it there. Because yeah, that's historical fiction, which you said you really yeah. like. Yeah, it was... It uh, it took me a wee while to get into it. Like the first quarter, maybe, I was like, I don't know about this, because he's writing in the style of that era. It's about like, it's weird too the way it like starts off. It starts off. Uh, it's basically uh, as if he's writing, as if he is p- being Bram Stoker and writing about Bram Stoker's own life. But um, it starts off with Bram like writing a letter introducing the book to his friend Ellen Terry, and he sets it up as being like, "Oh, I decided to, I don't know if this is any good or anything, but you might enjoy it because you're in it." And he says that like, "I decided to do it in third person because I read a an English author do this or American author do this, and it seemed like a novel idea or whatever, so I decided to do it." So it's a li- like. When I first started, I was like, it's a little bit weird. So it starts off with a letter and then goes into third person, but it's supposed to be still him, still Bram Stoker himself, writing about himself in third person. 
and it also jumps about in time a little bit like it starts off with him on a train and then it like he starts having like sort of flashing back to previous time so it's a little bit i don't know it took me a wee bit to get into it's it it's kind of a wee bit all over the place at the start. yeah it's kind of hard to follow kind of yeah it, and just the the language like he did a like he did a really good job of writing in the style that they wrote in but at the start i just kind of felt like i feel like if he just wrote this in in like current english i <laughs> would it would have been okay into, yeah. <laughs> i would have understood that it was still like the you still got the point that yeah, he's trying to make yeah it was still uh, what the 1800s was it or yeah would have been i think 1890s it would have been 1890s well i'm just thinking because like, was, was it 1897 i'm trying to exactly think that came out i think i'm trying to think that day was it 1980 maybe it was 1980s actually it wouldn't be 1980. It would have been 1880s. 1880s. Bram Stoker, like it's 1897. Whenever Bradley came out, I think it? Bram Stoker died in like 1910 or 10, I could be wrong on that. Oh, I maybe no. I think you're right. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be 1880. It would be. Yeah. It would have been 1800. It was kind of like uh, I was imagining like it's Victorian area. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, uh, yeah, it's um, there's stuff about like Jack Ripper and everything in there too. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, once I got into it, then after a certain point, it just started clicking, and it was probably language. You kind of like once you kind of, because I remember that reading Dracula, it took me a while to get into language. Once you kind of well, get into it, it's, that, that's it's easier. That's the other thing too. He, uh, in the book, he 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 jumps between some of it's in the first person because some of it is like diary entries, which is what Dracula is. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That was a week. That took me a bit to get used to, but I realized that that was why he did that because he was trying to emulate the style of Dracula in this book, and like he also, I thought it was funny that like he returned to a thing that bothered me from an early Joseph O'Connor book that I was on to you about that like he did this thing where there's a middle section which is all diary entries. Yeah, and it like I d- I don't like. It's like one very small thing that just kind of annoys me a little bit where instead of writing someone's full name, he'll just write their initial because because it's a diary entry. But it's like, it just kind of, it like takes me out of it a little bit. It's like, it seems, for me anyway, it like sort of removes the emotional connection because you're just like, oh, M said this today. And it's like, would you not just like... I've never. What's like their a, name? <laughs> it's like just write their name. Like I yeah, it's like I, would write, I, make, would, I wouldn't write your name as E. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah. It just it, I wouldn't do that either. I've never like abbreviated a name in my journal or anything. It was just like, who are we talking about again? Yeah. And you have to like do this extra step in your brain to be like, oh, them. Yeah, and it's it, like, just I know what you mean. It's just that wee bit of like, because uh, you have to put that connection yeah. together of what the the letter stands for. Is that yeah. kind of wee bit of disconnect? But I didn't find it as like egregious as i found it in that other one uh the salesman that was one I, mm. I, but um yeah by the time i got to the end of it i was like this is beautiful yeah it's like written in f- four parts basically it's like three acts and then there's a coda um but yeah it's just it's really really good yeah uh it's, it's like about there's a lot of uh allusions to uh bram stoker being a closeted homosexual as well which i had to like i was like read it and i was like is this like a thing did people think he was so i did a quick like w- uh wiki search and everything and yeah there was like sort of because he had a famously sexless marriage <laughs> and uh he was also friends with uh oscar wilde and then like there was kind of like oh, oscar and he turned him and, <laughs> and he became he was friends or he was friends with like walt whitman and like 
at that time that was like a kind of a tell apparently a lot of people who were into Walmart when were gay men for or something oh, no, I didn't know that yeah um and yeah I think there was something about his behavior after like Oscar Wilde was arrested that he kind of like um I never met that man in my life <laughs> yeah and um, the only thing I can tell you about it, a bit about Bram Stoker is his parents were from Ballyshannon. Oh. And what's really interesting about that, so they get reinvented vampires and possibly raised guitarist world from Ballyshannon. I'm like, what the fuck goes on in Ballyshannon? Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um saying all that, I I like the way they handle it too, where they never um they never like put uh, like a line in the sand being like, Yeah, he was gay the whole time. Because I feel they like they can't. But I also feel like it would have been like a disservice to to be like, well, I just decided that this is the reality, because like they still treated his marriage as being like something really, like his relationship with his wife was more really toxic. Maybe the no, like it was really like the like it was still really beautiful, like the way he talked about her and like it was. So even if he was, it, it kind of like it didn't matter and stuff. And it was just it was all handled really well. It, like I remember in I think it was the movie Hoover or Jagger Hoover. It was thinking someone was like Leonardo DiCaprio and I think Army Hammer in it. And about the first vacuum cleaner. The what? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> first vacuum salesman and <laughs> um, which of course is what the guy who started the FBI and all about yeah. this. And there was always rumors that he was gay, but yeah. in, in that movie they drew the line in the sand at the end and it was like that he was gay and I was like, yeah, but like, there's like because like because you see there's that thing where you could like look back. And if you want to try and prove that he's gay, you could probably find a way. Yeah. And it's like it's not that I've anything wrong with whatever not he was. It's just that people were never sure. Yeah. And the fact that you'd lie in the sand, it's just it kind of was that because I knew that maybe say almost like in a meta way or outside the movie, it like takes you out of it because you're like, but like you're like, but that sure that was never confirmed. Yeah. Even though I know that this is fiction anyway, but like it's just that kind of a thing. Where because it, it was a serious movie, it was like not taken seriously, or if it was done this way, but it was just like it takes you out of it a wee bit because you're kind of like, because you do lie in the sand, you're like, but that's probably not true, even though it's fiction anyway. You're still yeah. like, that's for the character or for the person that it was. You, it's it takes you out a wee bit. Again. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but even just as like when you're reading it and you be, you become like attached to the character of Bram, then and then like you want like if if they like if it was too um one way or the other like you wouldn't you wouldn't want to come away being like oh he was gay but he was married to a woman but you actually come away being like oh well even if he was his relationship with her was was really like unique and important to him and you know it didn't matter like and yeah mm -hmm. it was just um because like part of it too is like his friendship with the the actor henry irvine who like he worked in within the theater and a lot of it is about that, just like friendship and stuff, and it's yeah, it's it's really really lovely. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you enjoyed it, yeah, because yeah. I picked it up because because you know, like it, um, started to see which, and unfortunately, I never finished. And I was probably going back to you, but I knew you liked that. And yeah, as you're saying, yeah, because I had that um, I think I had a Christmas and free for ages, and I don't think it was up here too much because of COVID, and I was like, no, yeah. I finally found it. I, <laughs> I found it, and I was like, it's still wrapped. Nothing to do. And I was like, oh sweet, I still wrapped this. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> there was one time you were here on like a, I think you might have just been like a flying visit, and you were like, "Oh, your presence in my car," and then you you were gone again. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's I, like think I, I think I remember that because I was like, uh, "Your presence in my car, I must get that for you." Anyway, and just <laughs> get it, just fucking completely forgot. Yeah. Like, I got to see you in the end up. Yeah, no, <laughs> this is grand. I had plenty to read before it anyway, so it was, it was yeah. actually good timing. Good. So there's a uh, something popped into my head there recently in regards to the Marvel What If series. Yeah. 
Uh, it's like a what if they explored what would happen if Ant-Man jumped inside Thanos' ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know what would happen. He would expand and would kill Thanos. Like, it'd, be, it'd be the easiest solution. Like. <laughs> it's just that it would be so great. Because I think of the last episode we were actually chatting about Remember when that was like a big fan theory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was like, I think even like it even got so big. I think even the Russo brothers were asked about. It. Like that's yeah. how you know it's big. Whenever it's like it's so big on the internet that they have to almost like ask the guy yeah. about it. Like but I just thought it'd be so funny if they actually did explore it in like an episode of What If because it's, it's not, a perfect not, thing for it. Like not even an episode. They could almost just like tack it on, tack it like on a, to like you no know, do all previously shot footage and just do one scene of that. <laughs> <laughs> just it, like you know, Ant Man comes back. Just do like. Just do the entire set of the end game, and then just before the big fight, it's just him going up the button, and that's it. Like it's just like the post credit scene on the first episode or something. It's just the sweet <laughs> fucking five minutes of oh, Paul Rudd just jumping up the sweet <laughs> purple starfish. Like. <laughs> there was um, I wrote this down because I think there was something relevant in our last episode, but I can't remember now. But um, it was a uh, skip intro. I might have even brought up the series before. Uh, he's been doing a series called Copaganda, which is like um, just exploring like the how TV shows uh, affect like the public perception of the cops in America and all. And he started with um, be CSI was it? no even before that. It's like uh, Dragnet and those like. Um, those like uh, true crime kind of shows and like he's done one on the wire and the shield and all he's here but the last one he did was um on the mcu mm. which is quite funny because he treated it as he's like he's like it's a tv show it's like it's been going it even has series <laughs> it's like he just like kept joke he just kept going back it's like are you trying to tell me it's not a tv show like it's a fucking tv show it's like they've even got three, three different seasons and they've got a showrunner and phase everything one, it, phase two, phase yeah. Two, yeah, yeah it's like feige is the the showrunner show yeah. it's like it's like it's a tv show so yeah because that's the thing about his tv about his channel it's like he doesn't do movies he just does tv yeah so uh, so yeah. that's how he got around this yeah. he, he's like yeah. i'm making this into a tv show yeah. Too, yeah but yeah it was really good i i feel like there was something specific that why i wrote it down to do with something we were talking about, but I can't remember what that is. But I'll just say I recommend that show and that series in general. I think it's really, really good. The only thing I know about that is because it was interesting because my first level seven, I suppose, which was in analytical and forensic sciences, we talked about stuff like that there before. And it was interesting that because of like a lot of like Rod's captures, but particularly it was being like the, it was like called. Not like called, but it was like the effect of like CSI. Yeah. Which is course, because CSI did become such a major phenomenon. But it was all about like they always find like the evidence that linked the person to the crime. And what that negative effect had on public perception was is like to be honest, like real life physical evidence is really rare. And also real life physical evidence doesn't like usually lead to a direct and like we you know, being like conclusively this person is this. And it doesn't lead to like such a straight and formal narrative, but it created that yeah. juries were expecting or wanting that, yeah. so that they would be less likely to maybe convict someone, even though they may be guilty of the crime, because they didn't see that this person had like fucking semen residue there, yeah. or like this, the blood samples. Like, but it's like this doesn't actually happen very much. It's like usually those actual like clues lead those. So those. That like physical, physical or like um, evidence leads to finding the clues. It's not yeah. they're not the clues themselves. That kind of a way. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, uh, there's one I remember in particular, which is like when he did Blue Bloods, 
which is like a it's like a weird sort of it's like one of the most popular TV shows in That's America. That's like the family one, isn't it? Like Tom Selleck. Yeah, it's, it's like all a, about the whole family, it's a family of cops, of cops yeah. and all. Like and yeah, there was one scene where like um, what was it? it? Was like this the cop was like threatening to throw this boy out the window, but then the guy jumped out the window to frame the cop. But it was like there was no lesson because like the cop was going to do that anyway. So it was like. It's just weird, like uh <laughs> you, you almost feel like that, like that thing is like uh it's like the show that episode is like the cop retelling it. It's like no, 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 I didn't throw him out the window. He jumped out the window. To yeah, make it look like I threw him out the window, yeah, and the other cops like so backing up his shitty story. Like well, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's like the the show then frames. It's like oh my god, I can't believe the criminal jumped out the window to frame the cop. But it's like. But the cop just threatened to do that anyway, so th- the cop's still the bad guy. Yeah. But then you forget because it's like, but blue bloods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like it's like, but they are the good guys. Like. Which yeah, it's been great. I I, I I'm still waiting for the Reno nine one one episode though. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how that affects the cops because they did do one on um Brooklyn nine. What's it called again? Brooklyn nine nine. Yeah. Brooklyn nine nine. I really like Brooklyn nine nine. Yeah. Is that you talking about like the crop cops? I think it's like Damon Wayne's. He well, no, it's, it's just, it's just, an, it's, every episode of Copaganda is just how, oh, right. it's like the kind of positive, if there's positives, then he'll go into the positives and put on the possible negatives and all. Because it's, the thing is with, with any of those TV cop shows, it's always idealized in some way. It's never quite like, it's always going to. the cops are always right or there's going to be, yeah. like, even if some cops are corrupt, it's like the, they, are, like they even, are taken out by the, the good cops. I yeah, think? like. In Brooklyn Nine Nine, there's good stories, but the thing is, that might not actually reflect reflect reality. So you can come away from a show like Brooklyn Nine Nine feeling like, oh, cool, like that's good. The cops did that, but like that doesn't mean that that actually happened in real life. So it's like that kind of thing. But you see, the one thing I say about say the likes of like Brooklyn Nine Nine, the Blue Bloods, is Brooklyn Nine Nine is like. A comedy show first, a cop show second, if you know what I mean. It's like, you know, that is basically like, right, we're going to do, a, it's a single camera comedy show and we're going to do it in a fucking police station. Yeah. It's a bunch of, and it's, it's an ensemble cast because you get like yeah. fucking characters. And, and it is, I, do, I like love Brooklyn Nine, I think it's really funny. Yeah. But I feel like it'd be easier to go from that because you're like, I know that this is not supposed to be based in reality. I know that in but twenty that minutes everything's gonna be wrapped but up. But that's the you. thing; it it still will it still affects people's perception and stuff. But what I'm saying is, like, compared to that, even though it affects people's perceptions, compared to like Blue Bloods, I feel like that would be more of an obscured because that's supposed to be a serious show. So you could yeah. be like, "Oh, well, this is probably based in real life," whereas like you're never gonna see Brooklyn Nine Nine as being like entirely based. You know, if you know what I mean, because it's you know. You could like or t- or fucking the wire. The wire's definitely yeah. gonna be blazing through life. Where it's like it, it's. I feel like it'd be easier to kind of like separate yourself from the fact that you know that one's entertainment and all the sorry, they're both entertainment. You know, one's more unrealistic than the next. Does that make sense? Yeah, but the it's it's more nuanced than that. Is what he's kind of getting at. Like, and even in like a show like The Wire, it's like the cops are are still always like they they get like they come across as being more competent than they might be in real life regardless like there's always this and like the 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 mcu one was interesting because he used that to like explore how america is basically the global police because that's what superheroes are yeah and that's what it's like the the role superheroes have in the mcu is the same role america has in the real world 
But the one thing I liked, about, at least what the MCU did, which I'm glad that they did, which is what they did in the comics, was the way the Captain America is portrayed is because in the Winter Soldier, so the first Avengers, obviously he's the war mm-hmm. hero kind of thing. In the fir- Winter Soldier, he goes against what is like the government and the world police because he goes against S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. which in the comics in like the 80s, I think it was the Reagan administration, during this has happened, he just, what he kind of becomes in like... Oh, sorry, which is what he becomes in like uh, Infinity War and Endgame, which is Nomad, which is supposed to be a super soldier without a country. And we simply because he becomes the solution with the American government. And I think it's during the whole Reagan period. But it's like, I like the way that they did do that in MCU because it's like, because Captain America is supposed to be like, because he's like, because that's the whole thing in the Winter Soldier. He's like, I thought people had to commit the crime before they could be prosecuted mm-hmm. for it. And he goes at least against that. But I get what you mean because, but that's what S.H.I.E.L.D. is. I don't mean yeah. he's like the world place. But like that's what America does in real life. Yeah. See themselves as. Even though S.H.I.E.L.D. in the movies is considered a global initiative, it seems to be entirely based in America. Yeah. Uh, and I know they do in like the Winter Soldier, there's like that one meeting where there's a bunch of different people of different like background, or, like of like of different like cultural backgrounds in the meeting, but the main guy is American. Like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I recommend that series. Anyway, every Sounds episode I've been finding really. I just, I think I've just got a soft spot for soft spot for when people do these like really niche series. Like there was a great series that uh, Ahoy did on the impact of the Cold War on video games, and it was just like, it was just like, how did you even come up with this yeah, idea? It's a very odd topic, like because I, I, I've never even thought of that. But in my it's life. brilliant. <laughs> like I was just like, what? It's called Nuclear Fruit, and it's amazing. And it's like, yeah, I think you just have a soft spot for when people, like, just decide to go down this rabbit hole of a very specific thing and, like, see what they can get out of it. And, like, like that's a great example of that episode, even b- deciding to use the MCU as, like, a TV show just to, like, explore this weird fucking aspect now. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, but even though what you're saying about how it's not new and stuff, I do kind of get that. Because think about Brooklyn Nine-Nine or, like, the MCU is that... Because at the end of the day, because that's still a positive effect, because I suppose, because even though it's unrealistic, because it's unrealistic, the MCU, they're all superheroes, Brooklyn Nine, yeah. so it's going to work out, I suppose. But it's still always showing them in such the positive with the good light. It's like, because even though you know, I suppose, it's just thinking now, now, it's like, even though you know it's unrealistic, you would almost like, in a, I don't know, like an inward or a childish way, being like, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, it, you know, it, it kind of makes someone, you know, it leaves you with this like positive feeling. Like, there's, I think, one of the episodes they talked about with Brooklyn Nine-Nine is one where, like, um, Terry Crews' character gets racially profiled by another policeman while he's off duty or something. Yeah, no, that's actually a pretty good episode. No yeah, thanks. no, th- th- that's what he talks about. It. He says it is a really good episode and all, but there's still this element of, like, you kind of come away being like, oh, everything worked out, and it gives yeah. you this wee, like, thing of being like, oh, cops aren't so bad. Yeah. But but that's the thing too. It's like there's no real that nes- doesn't necessarily translate to real life. But you still have this feeling being like, ah, oh, cops good. It does <laughs> translate to real life. Yeah. Like, even though it doesn't actually at all translate to real life, you're kind of like, that's you know, I know it's fiction, but there's probably some truth there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the one thing else the, the power of storytelling. Like yeah, the one thing I will say, I do, I did find that episode very good because I always thought because it is like a comedy and a joke show and they did take a very serious topic and the one thing I can appreciate is they did start to do it well but what was interesting about it was because their captain is black as well mm-hmm. and he's like you know sort of like saying that something happened to me but then he says to like Terry who's like the sergeant and he's like no you just he's like you don't say anything he's like you just have to shut up he's like because this could affect your promotion in your future career mm. and then the reason it kind of changes in the show and I thought like, that was like, kind of like 
the one thing I'll say is like I almost feel like if they had stuck with that, it would have been of more of like a real world kind of thing. But the way they kind of do it, which is kind of more hopeful in the show, is the guy, the captain who's black as well, decides. Oh well, I decided I kept my head down and did all this so that whenever I was a captain or a position of power, that I could oh, change yeah. it when it happens, which is a really nice sentiment. Yeah. But I kind of appreciated that they did that because it would have been more realistic if they had just went with that of being like, "No, look, you need to keep your head down, and then you can get into a higher position and you can change it whenever it." But then that also because that would have fed into the entire system of, well, it doesn't matter then if you can get into a higher position because you're just gonna still keep covering it up anyway because you're afraid of somebody younger than you. Who's of a who's a person of color as well affecting their advancement? Do you know what I mean? If yeah. they had kept it that way, it probably would have been more. It, they could have ended it on a not light note, but they're not going to do that because that's what the show is. Yeah. Mm. Do you watch any more TV shows or movies or anything? No, I don't think I've been watching really much recently. I watched the first episode of Modoc there recently. That's interesting. But Patton Oswalt, it's um, I couldn't even remember what the acronym means. It's like a. It's like a Marvel show now based on one of the guys. It's all right. I actually thought I didn't wouldn't like the animation style, but okay. I ended up liking it. It's kind of like action figures, but not action figures. Okay. But and I thought I wouldn't like it, but it actually kind of works out pretty well. But it's only the first episode, so I can't really say too much on it yet. So that's about all I've watched recently. I can think. I feel like I've watched. Oh, actually, do you want to watch movie? It's really good because I remember I watched it um, years ago. It's from twenty ten. It's an Australian superhero indie movie. Because I went through a phase whenever I was just like all super movies. It's like going through an awful lot of indie ones. It's called Griff the Invisible. Okay. And it's really good. Yeah, I was like, it was one of those movies I watched years ago and hadn't seen it. And it's it's very indie. And I was like, I kind of hope this is still good. Because I remember really liking it when I was like 15 or something. Yeah. And it really was. <laughs> and Because nice. it's, it's really more of a romance than anything. Okay. But it's just, it's although it's a superhero movie, it's more of a kind of take the piss it's not like a take the piss it's like it's a good sort of it's a really good indie movie it's just the whole like like one of the things is like he wants to try and make himself invisible so he's like hmm invisible ink so he makes like a lemon juice and vinegar thing and he <laughs> like you know like bathes like a like a like a ha- like not like a hazmat suit but like a rubber suit in it and then he's like right that'll make me invisible and he like breaks into his office to get back at the office bully like it's not like a serious film but it's yeah. also done because it's that kind of indie way, there's that kind of, there's that good kind of like humor about it, but it's really more of a romance than anything. But it's just okay. really, really, really sweet movie. But I watched it again. That I was like, good. I was like, I'm really glad that this is. I still enjoyed this, you know, that <laughs> kind of a way. <laughs> you know, I'm still yeah. like this. I'm still really glad I enjoyed this. But it's, you know, I'd, I'd actually recommend that. that yeah, I might, to watch. Che- I might check that out. It was actually Gr- really Griff? hard for me to find. Yeah, Gr- Griff the Invisible G or I F F. Cool. But um, yeah, it's just. I really enjoyed it again. I I watched it again because it took me ages to find it, and I was like, well, "I hope this is still good." Because it took me ages to find yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I actually started watching um, an Australian TV show recently. Um, I found it too. That it's, it's kind of like a, I don't think it's a sequel necessarily, but it's like what a character from another movie. It's kind of like a spinoff oh. surrounding this character. Yeah. The movie is called the The Magician, I think, which I haven't been able to to find. But uh, the TV show is called Mr. Inbetween. Have you heard of that? No. It's actually been one that uh, both Mike and Carrie have been recommending me to watch for like, well, the third season just started, so three years, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> At least, really. Yeah, yeah, they just keep telling me that like, they'd be like, oh, you need to watch this. The, 
they just like were like this is your type of mo- like show specifically yeah, yeah and i eventually started it and i watched the f- all the first season there over the last week and yeah it's it's great mm-hmm. it's What's it like about? it's just this sort of, it's like a dark comedy and this guy he's like um you know sort of um works for a shady guy kind of like gone for hire type type guy but he's got like a you know, he's got a kid and everything and he's separated from his wife. So it's like, it's quite like low, like low stakes. A lot of time it's just him going about his life, but then he'll have to go like shoot a guy or whatever because mm. he's working for this guy or collect some money or, or all this here. But it's just like, and he's got like this sort of like um, strong moral compass according to his own sort of set of rules. Yeah, and yeah, all. yeah. Like yeah. And so he, 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 what he considers to be strong morals, which might yeah. not be strong morals kind of. Yeah, like, there's a great, <laughs> there's, I just piss myself la- laughing, there's a point where, like, uh, he's sitting in the car with his new girlfriend, and uh, there's, he's blocked in, he can't, like, get out of his parking space, and there's a van sitting b- b- behind him, and he's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, and he beeps the horn, and then, like, they turn around, and he's like, what the fuck do you want, and he's like, I'll go sort this out, and they get out of the car, and then he gets out and walks up to the guy, he's like, you want to fight, he just goes, boof. And kicks him in the knee <laughs> and just like fucking floors the guy and chases the other guy back into the van and like <laughs> I think he like I think he like goes up and headbutts the window of the car so then when he gets back into the car with the girlfriend he's like bleeding from his forehead and he's like sorry about that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like strong moral compass it's like yeah yeah and it's like it's okay for me to do it because he's being a dick <laughs> yeah but like then later on she's like I'm I'm quite upset about what happened here I think we need to talk about it and uh, he's like, oh, yeah? <laughs> it's like the way he talks. It, and it's like this, this Australian accent always makes these stuff things sound so much funnier. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah? What, what's wrong? <laughs> and it's like, uh, it's like, did you really need to do that? It's like, yeah, well, of course you need to do that. I had to, I had to, I had to get him down before his other boy came <laughs> out. Because then <laughs> yeah, I would have yeah, been yeah. taking on two of them and all this. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. pure like thought out in his <laughs> brain and everything. Yeah, it's like, yeah, in two seconds, he had like the, he had the whole ocular pat down. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's really funny. I don't, I know what you mean with the Australian accents. There's some Australian accents, but then the number one accent in order for me too is definitely the New Zealand accent yeah. of that. I just think it just makes everything 10 times yeah. funnier for some reason. But it's, yeah, he's a great character. He's just like very, um, he never gets too like worked up. It's like he's got a Bill Murray kind of thing going on, where he's just it's like casually, casually <laughs> detached from everything that's going on, even if it's threatening his life. Like, yeah, it's like it's. Uh, I don't know what you mean. I'm saying deadpan. It's not really deadpan. It's not like completely straight. It's just sarcastic all the time. It's like, it's like even like it doesn't matter how serious things are be. He's just kind of got this wee smirk and like, yeah, you know, he's just kind of being like, oh, whatever. Um, like there's a part. Uh, he has to go to uh, anger management, and uh, it's like it's he's with these men who are like talking about like beating their wives and all. And he's just like starts laughing and he's like, I think I'm in the wrong fucking room. Like, <laughs> I, I've not I like beat some cunts that deserved it. I didn't smack any women or children. And all <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm a bad guy. I'm not as bad yeah. as you motherfuckers. Like, uh, um, I was gonna say there because it. Um, I think bringing back the last podcast, you mentioned Top Secret. Mm. I watched that. Fucking. I actually meant to say, uh, the other day, uh, Cinefix put out a, a video of the top ten spy movies, and that was number ten. <laughs> <That's> like <laughs> yeah. the way they the way they do their list is like each number is like a category. Yeah. yeah. So the tenth slot was for 
comedy spy movies and that was the one that got it and uh, i was like yeah, yeah you mentioned to me and like because i loved uh, like airplane and gun and all that humor and it's in there too but like some of the jokes in that just really like got me like there's there's the it one was me and kieran who watched it so we're, we're all we're all clued in, in the room here <laughs> like the one thing like one of the main scenes i loved is there's the scene where it starts and i was like this is backwards Oh yeah, yeah, and I was like, because it's Peter Cushing is the guy behind the desk, and you, uh, you, you wouldn't really know, but in Star Wars he's Tarkin, mm. which is one of the main guys. But I was like, that's Peter Cushing. Is like, and then I was like, the famous, and he takes down the the like eye scene thing, and his yeah. eyes really big, and because it kind of starts slow, and it's like, what the fuck's going on here? And it's like, yeah. this is all backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, but there's no explanation for it. It's just it's backwards. just because the joke is that b- English backwards kind of sounds like Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they actually, it, it's like if you put it back, all the lines match up so like so whenever it, the subtitles whatever they say is that B- what they're saying yeah, yeah. but um like but yeah like that's yeah that's what i was i think i was saying to you the last time it's like uh it's got these moments where it just like goes above and beyond what's necessary for for jokes like that like yeah. and and but like, it's like just i don't want to it's it's a weird movie because i feel like I feel like it's a rare comedy that I you can spoil because part of the fun of it is just like not knowing what's coming next. The like, kind of absurdity. Like, because I think even la- last time I only I told you one joke because I didn't want to like. Yeah, the first. I was gonna yeah. say first. Yeah, because yeah. there's something, but like even like I'll just say like one of the jokes. I'm spoiling too much. It's like one of the ones that got me is because because there's an awful lot of physical gags in it. Yeah. But there's some other stuff in it. But one of them was like I think he's in like the jail cell and his like handle whatever comes in. He's like, I don't know. I've tried everything. I just I don't know what to do. I just can't give my wife an orgasm and it just kind of <laughs> comes out of nowhere. And then he's like, oh, here, I got you this. It's like anal thruster 9000. It's like, where the fuck did this go from? But like, the way they set it up, it's like, I just didn't see it at all because you're like, right, he's trying to get him out of fucking a jail cell and it's just like, I just can't give her an orgasm. I just laughed. Like, you know, it's, it's a ra- it was a rare movie where I was watching by myself and I felt yeah. like I laughed out loud. But it's just because it, it was such a good mix of you had the physical jokes and you had the, yeah. the psych gags, you had all this, then you had stuff like that coming out. And I was like, Jesus Christ! Like, yeah, it's great, yeah. Mm. And it's also technically a, a musical, which is yeah. And you <laughs> said that Val Kilmer did all of the um, singing or something, didn't he? Yeah, I yeah, think so. I think it's the first song, which is the opening scene. It's like skeet it, shooting, it, skeet, skeet shoot, and surfing. I'm a skeet and surfing. USA, and it's like it's like because I was like, oh, that's the Beach Boys, and then it's like skeeting and surfing. It's all the boys shooting on the surfboard. It's like Jesus, this is excellent. And they're like falling, and then they shoot like near the sand and like oh <laughs> fucking brilliant like i just like oh, I there's like a part where they're all piled into the back of a van and they've got like they're hanging off this van with surfboards and shotguns Guns. And, <laughs> 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 yeah. and then isn't it like he's like the he's like well he's a singer but he's also a skeet sh- skeet surfer and all it's just like oh but like because like there was just yeah uh, i just i really enjoyed it because i i kind of thought i would but then i enjoyed it more yeah. than i thought i would that kind of way yeah no i was yeah it was uh I think even like I said to Kieran when I was watching, it was just like I know them. This is like my one of my favorite movies already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> just that feeling. I was like, I'm going to come back to this. I yeah, I do, actually, I'll hopefully not to spoil too much. But my favorite joke I think in it was, <laughs> and it's like they're mentioning all the guys and it's like all the French names, like croissant and stuff like this. And he's like, and déjà vu. Have we, Have we met, met before? before? <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah. absolutely perfect. Yeah. Just, oh, I just I and then they do another one at the end. It's like goodbye, déjà vu. I feel like uh, I can't remember. Yeah. It's just like another like we tag on like that. It's like goodbye, déjà vu. I feel like I've known you for for my whole life or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's just uh, it's just so well done. Like yeah. 
It's just like it's so it's so stupid, but it takes brains to be that stupid. Yeah, I think I think you said in the last one as well. It's like they usually in the right movies they like strict rules, which yeah. sounds like bizarre for like writing comedy like they gave themselves yeah. rules but because they did it's that's why it works so well yeah. because they had to do it this way and it's like that's what makes those jokes so yeah. funny because they're some of them just land so well they just <laughs> like the deja vu one it just landed so perfectly for me like. yeah they've ru- like one of the one of the rules is like they're gonna be one joke at a time or something yeah maybe so it's that. Like and a, i noticed that cause so it's like if there's something if there's something serious in the foreground then you have something funny in the background but it but it also means that there's always something happening but it just it'll only be one thing at a time so it's like one thing to focus on and it's like yeah. but never yeah, gets too crazy and like yeah you kind of have to pay attention to get the jokes that can yeah. away, but like oh just yeah I really really enjoyed Top Secret I really uh, enjoyed great, the hey. it was fantastic yeah it's unreal um oh, I watched a surprisingly good movie recently Strictly Ballroom <laughs> you ever seen that no it's uh another Australian one actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh Baz Luhrmann you know, oh, unreal. Yeah, Every- everybody's free to wear sunscreen, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what that, what that's referencing, look it up. It's great. Yeah, if you're ever, ever feeling down about life, yeah, listen to fantastic. that. Motherfucker. That's actually one of my main songs. And if I'm feeling really down, I will listen to that because yeah. that is so uplifting. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's like his um, graduation speech or something, isn't it's it? It's a guy like called Quentin Travers. He he did like the graduation. I don't know where, when. It was like a, don't they someone do it's the graduation speech and someone to get like a yeah. guest talker. It's what he did. And I don't know who he was or anything, but it obviously was just one that just fucking was... That's one of the best speeches ever written yeah. for because it's supposed to be a thing for high school students. It's about going on in life, and it's just fucking perfect for any point in your life. Really, yeah. <laughs> there's something I noticed. Uh, it was the first time I've ever had this thought. I think about it about a movie. It was always something I heard other people say. You know, it's like you watch a movie and it's like, oh, it's got a gr- brilliant screenplay. Yeah, and it's like that seems like a very specific thing to com to comment on. But when I watch strictly ballroom i was thinking it's like this is a great screenplay <laughs> it's just one of those ones where it's like every it's like the story is really well told it's like it's just bizarre like i didn't really know what to think of it going in i just had heard that this was a good movie mm. and i thought it was going to be much more serious than it was but it's actually like very light-hearted but it's basically this guy who um he it starts off with like a, this competition this dance competition and he like he gets like pinned into the corner, and like it's like it's taken so seriously by everyone in it, the the ballroom dancing. But like from the audience, from your point of view, when you're watching it, you can see the ridiculous of it. But no one, no one will like no one does no, that. No one will acknowledge that. Yeah, it's kind of so. It's kind of like in that regard, it's almost like it. Like I'm thinking of like dodgeball or something, where like the commentators and like so basically the, they're all dancing groups and he gets pinned in at the corner at, in the corner he's like oh god he's been cornered what will he do <laughs> and he does like these mad moves and it's like so the audience loves him but like it's you know that's not they're not ballroom moves it's like he gets disqualified or the judges don't like it or whatever and all this here mm. and yeah and it's so serious and he just wants to dance the way he wants to dance and do his own moves and yeah. and be his own man <laughs> yeah and it, but it's like it's just brilliantly done and like there's this like mystery going through it of like there's like deceit everyone's like lying to each other and um it's like um there's all these things with like the his partner um she leaves him to go with like his biggest rival and then 
he turns out to be a drunk. <laughs> there, all this, she ends up leaving him later on because it's like she, she has, can't control him. He keeps getting hammered and be like, I've only had a couple. <laughs> and uh, it's just fucking, it's just a whirlwind, but it's like, it, it, the story is just so well done that you're invested in all these different layers. Le- all the different characters, layers. all the it's different like, parts. It's like there's a love story that you're invested in and there's like this mystery and you want him to like succeed and uh, it's just, uh, it's so much fun. I loved it and it's got a really good, like, sort of message too there's a sort of theme going through it of like um don't live your life in fear so that's like the kind of thing it's like he meets this uh girl who she's like <laughs> it's like one of the first like funny jokes and it's like he's been dancing on, uh, in the like the, the like the practice room but everyone's gone and then he sees her it's like how long have you been here and she's like uh, about two years. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's just like we stupid things like that. It's just like, uh, it's great. I highly recommend it. Uh, actually, I just remembered a movie I did watch. Felt like kind of Peter Jackson or something, you know, like kind of like that kind of comedy as well. Just yeah. like the, these, like, yeah, it's great. Really, really good. Um, I actually felt more recently, not in a comedy kind of, but a serious one, but it was very interesting and. One of the things, so Carrie, it was the two main stars for Carrie Mulligan and then Bo Burnham, the right. comedian, and uh, he was fucking great in it too. And I was kind of really happy to see him be great in it, but it was called Promising Young Woman. And I was just going to say, I think I was I was going to ask you if that's what it was. I haven't seen it yet, but it's, I heard it's great. It's very, very good. It's very, it does the whole thing very well. It's, you know, essentially like a revenge flick, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. With the tone, it's obviously about kind of like rape culture and stuff going on. Yeah. But I feel like it does it very well. But it is very, it is very, very well done. Yeah. I think. And it's just, it's not like, like, because it's not like, I don't know. I don't want to say it, it, it is in a way heavy handed and not at the same time. It's both yeah. nuanced, but still kind of in your face. But it's just because it's basically it's about a girl that goes out, pretend to be t- too drunk at a bar takes a guy, a guy will take her home and then she, like, acts sober and then kind of that reaction. But, like, there's a couple, there's a good amount of, like, kind of, like, kind of famous people in it and mm-hmm. most one of them, I think, is Adrian Brody, which is obviously most famous from OC. He's, like, the first guy. And yeah. what, I, what I do like is at the very start is you do see him as, like, oh, he's doing a decent thing. And it's like, nah, he's being a dickhead. It's kind of, because it does that there well of, like, you know, of it can be, like, a guy trying to be nice to try and do it. But what they do really well is they... They don't just do it as like a bastardation or something against like men. It's like they do it from the side of like a woman going against a woman. It's like like yeah. we you know there's that whole thing of like sure she would have slept with anybody and all that there kind of thing from a female perspective. But it's just it's a revenge flick. But it's very very dark, but not like too dark to be like ridiculous. Like there's some, but there's also some parts that you're like, Oof, and you can like. But you're enjoying. It's still a very good watch. Like it's very interesting. Yeah, I heard it's. I heard it's just very well done and all. Like, and yeah. I think I've seen something with like even. It's one of those ones that like you can watch it and then you can rewatch it and once you understand what's going on, it's got like this whole other thing going on. Um. Yeah. Apparently, it's just. Yeah. Really well done. I have. I haven't seen it. I've only been going off what I've heard. But. Yeah. No. Yeah. It is very well done because I seen it as a trailer for it and I was like, that sounds. V- it looks very interesting. And it can I. Um. It's just is it is a very good story. Yeah. Yeah. And I just I would definitely highly recommend that. Speaking of uh Adrian is that his first name? Adrian Brody? I think it's Adrian yeah. Brody. Uh have I brought up I watched the movie it says recently. Brody or Adam Brody? I think it's Adrian Brody. It is Adrian. Our yeah, audience sorry. members not anything. Audience says Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah, have I brought up, I watched the movie with his uh, Kid Detective. Have I mentioned that on here before? No, I don't think so. No? That was really good. It kind of reminded me of, did you watch Brick? Yeah, I've seen Brick. Yeah. Justin Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Actually, I think, surprisingly enough, me and you, Kieran, watched that years ago. I don't know if you remember. It's like, because it's done like a high school private yeah. eye, but he talks. He doesn't talk like a high schooler. It's kind of yeah. done like an old Everyone's school private kinda, Everyone, it's like, yeah, it's like purposely, like really over the top that like yeah but yeah. Then they, but it's like because yeah because he's like a teenager that's kind of there's like the, all this organized crime but it's all in high school and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah it's it great it's like a fair, it's very like self-aware and stuff yeah but yeah tonally it reminded me of that uh adrian brody was a famous kid detective when he was younger uh who like solved all these crimes and like would help the police and like he was became famous in his town and everything and then now he's grown up and he's like kind of become like disenchanted and stuff and yeah it's fucking it's brilliant like it's not like like i said it's it'd be the same category i suppose as like a weird it's like a neo-noir but it's also like a i suppose it's almost a not quite a parody maybe a satire or like it, there's Would a self-awareness I, w- I was thinking of like a black comedy sort of was yeah but like yeah. i just mean like i'm just trying to pinpoint what that genre would be because it's neo-noir but it's like neo-noir but it's it's I know what you mean because it's because it's the whole kid detection. It's like not taking itself too seriously or it understands what it is. Yeah, that kind of which is the same way Brick does because that's because it's so over the top and you say no organized crime in high school, but it's like this is like a teenager doing like detective work. So it, it's yeah. like you know a teenager can't really do detective work. Yeah. <laughs> but like he, that's the thing too. It's like he was actually genuinely really successful and like helped the cops on things and then like, uh, but there is a a big case that he couldn't solve this uh girl went missing and then it kind of it's like haunting them and stuff i don't want to get too far in it but it's really really good really enjoyed that now out of one to ten tokyo drifts how would you give it <laughs> sorry i just thought of this <laughs> <laughs> no um that sounds really interesting because no, i like the idea because i like the idea of that because it the way i could kind of take the idea home kid detective which i hope it does is you could do it as like it's like it would be like a kids movie star in as an older person. That's why I imagine it. You know, it's, it's like it's like a it's kids movie. What like it's really what what it's exploring is kind of the idea of like the promising young uh gifted chi- child gifted child who then grows up and like kinda doesn't feels lost and they're like, Oh, I thought it had they had it all worked out at one point once, and then yeah, and like they had it all worked out a wee bit too young or yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Kid Detective, let's look it up. Yeah, especially because I, I really enjoyed Brick. I remember I haven't seen it in years, kind of, but I do remember that I really enjoyed it whenever yeah. I watched it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've watched. I watched uh, History of Violence recently too. Oh yeah, I've I've seen that a couple of times. Yeah, I uh, do. You know what I did before we get into the movie, I always find funny. It was Ed Harris. He's the method actor. He did method even into the press. <laughs> And there's the the most famous one is he was asked by a reporter what is violence and he's like violence what is violence and he like grabs a glass and like fucking smashes it on the ground and he's like that's violence <laughs> just like this pressure after the movie's been filmed and everything but what he was, was still this for for a history of violence oh for that yeah yeah he, he fucking he picks it up and he's like that's violence and like that's sorry but anyway that's a very very good movie yeah it's <laughs> very good um that's Viggo Morrison and Viggo Ed Harrison yeah. yeah Ed Harris uh, I haven't actually seen it. I the, actually, ma- the Man in Black watch. in Westworld currently. 
I'm what, um, don't, I'm not updating my world. Just for anyone listening, trying to work out who he is. There's, there's, there's a reference there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I remember because that's that is the one where isn't it that it's like he's like a, a bartender in a town. And then yeah, he, he works in. A, he owns a cafe. Yeah, cafe. Sorry. Yeah. yeah and then the Ed Harris is a scared. And I was like, yeah. yeah, that was very, very good. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked how that was set up to take. I don't know how much I can get into it. It's an old movie, so I suppose. Mm. Yeah, it's old movie. Go for the the, the new well, ones. Uh, what I'll what I'll what I'll just say is like he saw he um basically interrupts a crime in progress. But it, and he but saves the day. Yeah, he much. saves the day, but it's done in a way where you're like, he's done this before. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. enough to be like. Oh, I see where this is going. Yeah, and yeah. And yeah, and it just... It he's, just he's just supposed to be a guy that owns a cafe. Yeah. He's not supposed to be able to do something it's like, like this. Yeah, you're just it's, like not, it's not like, uh, as far as I remember, it's not like over the top. Nah. It's, it's more that they're amateurs and he's actually a professional. It's just That's like, yeah, he's thinking. like, like he has been, he did this very well. He kept his cool a wee bit too much. Yeah. And yeah. For a guy that's supposed to be a homely guy owning a cafe yeah. in a small town. Yeah, because that's the way I was took it is because the way they did it is that because the guys that are robbing his cafe are amateurs. Yeah. And it's that he, they're meeting a professional yeah. of the game and that's how it works. But, but yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was all just very, another one that's just really well done. Yeah, and it gets very violent, but it's not. Uh, doesn't feel gratuitous. It feels earned. Yeah, and it's it's, it's not ultra violent. It's more of like the I say like kind of it's gritty. It's more grounded than, but it also it has to be violent. It's called a history of violence. Yeah, but it's not <laughs> just like it doesn't feel like just for the sake of it and just like over the top. It's like it feels earned every time they do it, and it feels like it's a, it's like to emphasize a point or something. Yeah, but to, I, I, to, I, I it kind of juxtaposes, I suppose, with his. Like um, with the life that he has of being so like homely, kind of. Yeah. But I, what I remember that film is like because he, if I remember, like with the violence, the violence that he enacts. Even though as you're saying what is he's done it before, I never felt that that was like overbearing or something. It's that whenever he's done it before, it's not that he's like, he's not he he's not John Wick or something. Yeah, he's just maybe better trained or more experienced people, but he's not exactly like gonna be fucking. He's not like a superhero kind of taking it yeah. down. I remember that he's just kind of very good at his job but in a grounded kind of a way yeah. and he tried to give up the life obviously but that's what I remember about it because it was like that kind of a way I think if I remember correctly that's the way it was whereas like you know John Wick is like this boy's fucking John Wick he's going to kill fucking a room of 40 people it's like this guy probably yeah. wouldn't do that but he's also but he can take he, care of himself he can take care of himself yeah. against two fucking amateur robbers like <laughs> yeah uh, oh I did have an idea um I don't know if we talked about this. Well, I think uh, I said to you about um, possibly coming to Athlone and recording. Oh, yeah, point. yeah, that's right, yeah. So because I had it's actually more possible now because of yeah, like things are. But I had an idea to sort of expand on that for when things open up, which will be a, a sub-series of this podcast <laughs> called Where Are We At? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we can go around and tour Ireland, and mm. I think it, I think like it could actually be really good timing when things open up again to actually make the most of that and explore mm. and our see country. what the crack is and see because we can go out and explore something and then kind of talk about that. And I was thinking we could do uh, the the way I was kind of thinking about doing it is like we wherever we go we record the podcast while we're there. Yeah, maybe not say where we're at even immediately, but then also record video and we could like so do you know what i mean it's like say we go somewhere for two nights it's like on the first night we record some 
audio in a podcast mm-hmm. and the second night we record a bit more and then that's the podcast which goes out immediately but then we ca- get like video footage and cl- put that together into like with a, the audio kind of and do it that way it could just be separate like the podcast yeah. can come out immediately but then further down it, the line it'd be the video the, an episode can come out and, and try, try and like uh be like a tourist kind of thing like you know show wherever we go show off what it has to offer and stuff that'd like be really that. cool yeah it could be fun to do night not entirely in line with that, but one thing that I would be interested in trying to do with a group of people is, this is probably going to be a podcast, this is more of a personal thing, but I know for a fact that there's an Airbnb in Knock that 20 people can rent for like 30 euro each for like three nights, and you get essentially 20 bunk beds and an entire reception hall. And I just thought that would be a cool place to get a couple of bands together. Hmm. And have a wee sesh, and have maybe have a religious experience in Lovely knock. Lovely wee sesh. Maybe have a maybe have a religious experience in knock, which wouldn't be the first time. So it makes sense. And the reason which I noticed the first. Time. <laughs> the reason I noticed is because there's a girl I work with or used to work with, and she did that, and she was like, "Yeah, there was like 22 of us. We paid like 30 euro for like two or three nights to place in knock." But she showed me photos. It's like a wedding reception venue, mm. but then with a bunch of bunk beds in one room, in like in like other rooms. It's like. Hmm. I don't know like what a, I could do a, with this. <laughs> there was a place like that around here because um, I was at a birthday there. It's got a big like, it's like, yeah, like a big hall with a stage on it, but it's also got loads of beds. Yeah, it's like it's a like hostel combined with a big like. Yeah, because because then because then you could actually do stuff of setting this up and then like yeah. like have stuff on the main hall, which would be pure fun. You have like essentially your own. It was classic. What, what yeah. we were actually saying before we uh, went on air with the podcast was we were saying about our like. I'd love to go to the pub, but I'd love to go to the pub and not be randomized and be with my friends and sort of thing and just chill and crack with that. But this is kind of like an extended version of that where I get a large group of my friends and then we yeah. have a large place to congregate and party. Maybe we'll do a podcast. No, no. Could we do a podcast? Yeah, we'll do a podcast. We'll just, we'll just, <laughs> just post up in a pub and like get random people. <laughs> Jeez, can you imagine that? What do you think of the state of this country? Uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just having a lovely pack of potatoes on my paint. I don't care about that. <laughs> it's like, fucking, it's like, did you ever see that video of the uh, guy that's clearly pure fucked or possibly a junkie in Dublin? And it's like, uh, he's asked about There's like. There's no junkies in Dublin. No, no. Really? <laughs> what to do with them? <laughs> uh, and he's asked, and he's like, uh, he's asked, like, what do you think that's wrong with this country? And he says something that's pure on point. And it's actually about sport. And he's like, one of the things that I think is wrong with this country is. Everyone here supports English teams and English clubs. He's like, what about Irish football? Why don't we support our own club teams? He's like, like fuck all that English football. He's like, we can do everything with our own sport back home, but everyone supports Liverpool matches. He's like, fuck, he's right. <laughs> You're like, God damn it! Like, <laughs> shit, he has a fucking point. Like, <laughs> on the good stuff. Yeah, it's true though. Yeah, I know. I never understood. I like how like that kind of. Got exposed a little bit recently with the Super League shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's because they wanted the franchise so much. Yeah, it, it then won't become it even more of like that would be. It funny. just made it more obvious how, like, they're just in it to fucking bleed money off people anyway. The only thing, else but I, 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 I do like. I always think that it's like, how do you decide? It's like, it's like I support Manchester United for some reason. It's really? like, well, I support Manchester City for some reason. Like the one thing, <laughs> it's the like one, what you're the one thing I always said, like because I would have played rugby as younger, and I love rugby, and I know rugby is an English sport, but like <laughs> one of the ways I look at it is one, the Irish rugby team is all Ireland. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. It's it's not. There's not a Northern Irish team. There's not an, an, a Republic yeah. of Ireland team. It's an all Ireland team. So that's one thing that I think is a point going forward. Yeah. Two, 
we're quite consistently as a rugby team in the top three in the world mm-hmm. and one of like f- three or five teams ever that has ever beaten the All Blacks. Mm-hmm. And I mean ever. They I mean ever. They have had very few losses in a ticket. I'm like, well, that's actually a, sub- a sport and a team that if we were to support... They're the Irish football team is shit. Let's face it. <laughs> we're like we've 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 the best we've ever done is like the semi-finals of the World Cup, and that was like twenty years ago. But th- the way I look at it is that one because it's an All Ireland team, and two because we're good at it. It's it's a great sport to follow. But then also, and then I think of like hurling. Hurling is the fastest ball sport in the world, and Gaelic football is like one of the best sports in the world. Even if you whether you like it or not, one of the best things that I love about Irish sports is they are not paid for their position and they literally play for their pride and that's yeah. what makes it actual real sport. And there's that's no what it has like over rugby. There's no like trading either no, or any if of that you, shit. You like it's this what it is is like you your if your grand the far as you can go is if your grandparents are from that county. Yeah. But otherwise play for your county. And if you play and you can't you yes you're saying no trading. You yeah. can't play for another team. You cannot. Yeah. There's no no matter how much money you have or if you want to move to Dublin, if you're from Donegal, you are playing for Donegal. You are not playing for Dublin. You are playing for Donegal. Yeah. It's what you have to do, and that's what makes it so much more sport. That's what made it so important. Whenever we won won Sam mm. a lot of years ago, it's because like we hadn't won it like fucking whatever amount of years like since I was born. It was like twenty something years, and that's what made it so great. But it is entirely Donegal people. Yeah. There's no, and that's what makes it so much more of a and sport. That's, that's it too. It's like if you're into Gaelic or whatever, you you grow up dreaming of playing for your team. It's not dreaming of playing for anyone else. It's like uh, I'm gonna get good at this. I'm gonna play for Donegal. Like that's the that is yeah, the yeah. End you're goal. gonna play for Gaelic. One of yeah. the ways I remember describing it to someone before, I think they were American. And I was like, I don't think you understand, man. You'd be Brad Pitt. What if you play for County? <laughs> I was like, and I was like, I was like, to be honest, I was like, I'm kind of joking. But I'm kind of not at the same time. I was like, you know, you could be like this really big movie star. But at the same time, if you play for County, like that, that really is like a royalty. Like it is. And it, but the thing is, like, if you want to play for it, you, you have to earn it. But you earn for that shirt in your back. And one of the best stories, I remember, is my dad years ago used to be a lab manager, Boston Scientific. And um, he took um, a bunch of like, would have been probably, I'm assuming, shareholders members of the board or whatever, they were visiting Boston City, but they used to have a plant like Kenny, but he took them to see a hurling game. My dad would always love hurling his youth and stuff. And it was like Tipperary versus Kilkenny, which is like two of the best hurling counties in Ireland. And they got really good seats because it's fucking business is paying for it. And they got down by the Tipperary and the Tipperary where people were just like, you know, pr- warming up before the match and they're just passing before them. And it was the fastest ball sport in the world mm-hmm. off at the hurling. This would have been four gum shields and this would have been before all that their shit and my dad always he loves telling the story and he always says that one of the uh, American guys turned over and he's like how much do those people get paid and uh, my dad was like oh they just play for the number on their back and they just could not get over the fact that they were so skillful with the ball and they were so good at the sport and they went home and worked jobs (laughs) (laughs) he was like he just could not get over this fact like he just was astounded like because if you take like American football like like their teams can be traded by states like their players are traded by states baseball as well like that's constantly those players are being traded like like their team could change basketball is about yeah that's (laughs) yeah exactly basketball is really accurate representation of it all It's it's actually quite a clever satire like which I think I understood more after watching Moneyball. 
<laughs> it's a nothing, great movie too. I don't need nothing about baseball. I'm gonna watch Moneyball, which is a great movie. Yeah. And, and Jonah Hill, I think, won the Oscar for that, and you oh, kind of yeah. see it. He was fantastic in it. But yeah, basketball kind of makes a bit more sense then. Yeah. Because at the start, I'm just laughing because the guy they had to do fucking I don't know. When I was really young, I was probably like 15, 16, watching it, and they're like, oh, they're giving him CPR, and the hot dog goes up and down his mouth. <laughs> and now it's like, ah, trading of players and all yeah. that shit. <laughs> Alrighty then. Alrighty. Closing thoughts. Um, I haven't had opening thoughts. Closing thoughts. I don't know because well, I've been out in the pub, but I haven't seen many thoughts these days. Hey, <laughs> haven't seen many thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen many thoughts these days. Oh wait, Kieran's here. There's a there's a thought in the corner. Our live audience. Now, what I need you to sub in is a. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I uh. I just want to maintain as a closing thought as I rewatched that episode of It's Always Sunny recently where they decided to make a podcast and I still think we should add in sound effects. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, whenever like, uh, fucking Dennis is like, oh, I like that. <laughs> okay, Frank, where's my fo- where's my roast chicken? Here, you can suck a lemon. Whatever, I'm over you, bitch. <laughs> and I, uh, actual closing thoughts. Oh yeah, so um, usually because we try and give recommendations to each other, instead of anything else, I'll try and give you something different. I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube. Look up the obsolete man, but um, Twilight Zone radio drama because it's um an updated one. I think that was recorded, maybe th- by updated. I mean recorded in the past like twenty years. Yeah. But uh, the main character i think you recognize the voice or i think they might even say to start but i think you really appreciate who it is and you'll enjoy listening to that the main character who's voiced by okay mm-hmm. what was that called the obsolete man obsolete man okay it's uh it's even it's based on one of the episodes and it's considered one of the best episodes of the original series and uh <laughs> i just love both love the episode and the audio th- series cool. sometimes if i'm not feeling like if i'm like I feel like watching something. I want to lie down and listen to it instead of watching the episode. I'll listen to the episode, and sometimes I'll just watch the episode. It's really, it's one that I'll always go back to. That kind of way. Nice. So uh, I think actually I'm just going to reiterate what I said earlier about the Copaganda series. I think you should give that a watch. Well, cops are always right, man. Sounds like you need to watch this series. No, I. The answer may surprise you. <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> we got a cop over here, but like uh, Blue Blue Bloods proved that he jumped out the window to frame <laughs> the guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Must look it up. Just to, I really like his channel in, in general. That he's like, because like there's so many of those video essayists that focus on movies because it's makes sense. There's yeah, a, yeah, there's it's, a, a, it's a rich area to draw from. Yeah, I just like that he purposely kind of tries to stick with TV. Because of that, but yeah. I I do like what you mean of like how he how he figured out a way to make the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe a uh, TV show, which I can get because he's like even a series is phase yeah. one, phase two, phase three, phase four. Yeah, it's funny too in the episode that episode because as he goes on, he like kind of he keeps he sort of comes up with more ideas of like of yeah, like how, how it is yeah. like a TV show, kind of yeah, yeah. laughing to himself like yeah, yeah it's good. I love when you do stuff like that. Whenever, yeah. you, whenever you want to try and like find something, it's like because uh, as you do like yeah. say dive deeper into it, then you figure out more of like. Why that? Why it is what it is? That kind of a way. Yeah, and um, and that um, nuclear fr- fruit is a, because that's another guy, uh, Ahoy. He used to be called Xbox Ahoy. Now he's just Ahoy. He <laughs> just does like really good um sort of. Well, of course he's not as good as Bill Gates. 
he just sort of sort of does um it's like really like he, he rarely puts out videos it's, it's like just now and again because they must take so much effort because they're really high production value like it could have like i remember after watching the nuclear fruit series i was like if this was like a documentary series on channel four or something you wouldn't blink an eye like it's so well done yeah yeah it's great that must look it up yeah um yeah, I think I'll fucking do this shirt. That was good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Got a wee live audience. Yeah, live audience. To be honest, I've t- I'm pretty happy with myself with how comfortable I was in front of a live audience. But <laughs> we c- we kind of we kind of don't look at me. We oh. get, no, but we with I think actually well at least one of the Kieran said that we flicked into it right away or like yeah. Kieran Devlin anyway said that I put it into my my voice which I didn't know I had right away. <laughs> it's always easier when in person too. Oh, hundred percent. Got your face to inspire me. It's easier to not talk over you. <laughs> <laughs> there's <laughs> no delay. Yeah, yeah, there's no, yeah, because it's like I have like two seconds, and I'm very much so. That sometimes I can feel myself it's like I've got a point I need to bring up, and it's like, yeah, I'm still talking. No, but I'm not. But I'm also like trying to listen as well to be like, right, I don't want to not. But of course, we inspire each other. Yes. Kieran, as an audience, inspires me with his overwhelming laughter, which you have to put in as a background noise. Is this imagine? (laughs) Imagine if like imagine if there's no mics here and you and Devlin were just sitting there watching two lads have a conversation that you you weren't allowed to take part in and just be like, "This is great entertainment." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Every 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 two seconds, shut the fuck up! You're you're not a part of this. It's like this is me and Owen talking right now. You just need to stay quiet. You're just like sitting there thinking to yourself, "Was like that was a great point." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great retort. <laughs> I'll tell him afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> not right now. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed this. All right, yeah, and then we'll get the. We're doing a saw special and a Fast and Furious special. Well, I think we should. These are going to be flat out one after the other. Yeah. <laughs> well, yep. hopefully we'll do that in the two weeks. I'm up anyway. It would be good, like you said, if we could do at least one of those movies in person, maybe or. Well, if well, that's I mean, if we do it over the two weeks, we could we could even try and marathon it. But like, but at the same time, this problem with the Fast and Furious special is like you're watching like 14 movies because we have to watch Tokyo Drift at least five times. <laughs> Every third movie, has <laughs> yeah, to be Tokyo Drift. Yeah, yeah. And it's like bring that boy back, like. The Tokyo Drift, <laughs> Tokyo Drift is like a like a palate cleanser between courses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but I feel like like that's the benchmark. <laughs> I've only seen the first three movies, but that's the benchmark for me anyway. Like I it's don't know. the best of the first three, I, th- I think. Anyway, uh, it's like even if it's not the best of the first three, it's the one I remember enjoying the most yeah. of the first three, and I have no idea why. It's because <laughs> the cars go around corners. Yeah, yeah. But I know what you mean. <laughs> I actually never thought about that before. I was like, you're probably right. It's like, yeah, because it's all drift race first. So yeah. like, this one is all. Uh, sorry, it's all drag. I don't know if you remember the first one. It's like, that, it's, like it is just it, straight. Isn't yeah, it? it was like they would go on a straight line, and then would use these. It was all about when you activated the NOS and it would yeah, do these yeah. dramatic shots where it went like zoomed into the thing and it's like the like the fuel expanded. Yeah, yeah and they, like they they do the whole like, they're like CGI. Yeah, it's like, like going down into the yeah. engine and like yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. then it's like, well, we've ran out of those graphics by yeah. movie two, so um, then they did a whole movie about cars going around corners. Um, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I don't think there was any NOS involved in that because you'd probably just spin out. Yeah. So I'm just gonna say personally. I prefer to do Fast and Furious first because they might have Tokyo Drift I've been talking. I really want to watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should start tonight. Yeah. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go be the Drift King. <laughs> drift. <laughs> and of course, Vin Diesel shows up at the end and you're like, oh, yes. <laughs> Why is he in Japan? <laughs> and also, he can't drift. He's only able to do straight lines. Yeah, he actually died in 
<laughs> just after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one corner just, like, just goes dro- straight Drove straight into the wall yeah. of that uh, multi-story car park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So setting off. Thanks for listening. Thomas, thanks for talking. Owen, thanks for talking. And of course, find us in Bebo in MySpace. And please call in, sign in, or definitely Devin Vino any more fucking art. <laughs> that <laughs> <it> was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I think we have to do the F- Fast and Furious special just to use that artwork as like the the benchmark the picture. But obviously, if we're doing the Fast and Furious special, we have to do Hobbs and Shaw too. And I'm like, obviously yeah. I haven't seen that movie, but because I was Jason Statham, I w- I don't know how it works out, but I want him to win, and you have to vote for the Rock. Of course. <laughs> yeah, being like, come on. I don't even know the problem. Maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll make our own um, Hobbs and Shaw two yeah, <laughs> between <yeah>. us. <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw two lethal deviation, the final deviation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. What Bye. Are we?